Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome to a big packed game day edition of WST on Winnipeg Sports Talk here on YouTube. And shout out to everyone listening on the podcast. Great to have you with us. Yeah, we're packed today, and we're packed with some of my absolute favorite guests. Our old pal, the sports rabbi himself, Matt Leibel, is going to jump on the program first. We're going to head out to Montreal and connect with WST favorite Mo Khan. Mike McIntyre is going to jump on the program as well to talk more Jets. And my guy, Matt Verderam, is going to uh, pop by in the final half hour of the program to recap wildcard weekend and look ahead to the divisional playoff weekend in the National Football League. It should be good. Buckle up. Hang with us. Thanks so much to everyone making us a part of your day. And for those of you on YouTube, make sure to hit that red subscribe button and give a thumbs up to the episode. And if you are listening on YouTube um, and you don't often have the chance to do so, make sure you download and get regular downloads of Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And hey, for you podcast listeners, if you haven't checked out the YouTube show with full video, definitely do that and try and get on it as well. Uh, all right, just before we bring in Michael Remus and get after it, got to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, starting with the great support we get from our friends at Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, as well as Wallace & Wallace Canadian Club, Culligan Water, Little Brown Jug, Vita Health Fresh Market, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and our friends at Not Auto Corp. Michael Remus, what is going on? Us, nice to see you in here. Thank you uh, for having me. So I'm just adjusting some stuff. I I just uh, had to exhale because I saw Nikolai Ehlers uh, did not participate in the morning skate. and. He is, uh, sorry, I'm fixing stuff here. I can't talk. Uh, he didn't participate in the morning skate, but hey, just maintenance. He's fine. Nothing to see here. Nothing to worry about. Yeah, as far as the game tonight, um, which we'll certainly talk about with Mike coming up, and I'm sure with Matt and Mo, uh, it looks pretty much like business as usual for the Winnipeg Jets, with the exception that Billy Hanel is looks like he's going to get in. Of course, Billy was supposed to be in last week against the Detroit Red Wings and unfortunately came up ill in the afternoon uh, and then, due to the flu going through the club, he was sent down to the Moose for a few days while Jansen Harkins was uh, up on an emergency recall just to make sure that uh, the Jets had enough forwards to play. But, as you can see with this, uh, the beautiful graphic prepared by Remo, uh, we've got Connor Dubois-Ehlers, Shifley Perfetti-Wheeler coming off a huge weekend for that line, uh, Adam Lowry in between Carson Kuhlman and Morgan Barron, Axel Janssen Fjallby and Saku Menelainen on the wings with Steny Kevin Stenland in the middle. Defense pairings look like this Morrissey DeMello, Dylan, uh, Dylan Pionk, and Vili Hainala in playing with Nate Schmidt. And it looks like Connor Hellebuck is in the starters crease this morning and will get the start again uh, coming out of that win when he returned to the net Sunday against the Arizona Coyotes. But uh, Remo. Let's face it, we knew that a lot of the talk, much like yesterday's show, was going to be about Pierre-Luc Dubois with his return to Montreal. And, um, well, that was uh, 
That was minus 10,000 on the cool bet lines. We knew PLD would have a throng in front of them, and both English and French hit PLD with the questions that you'd normally expect when he comes back home, especially after everything happened last summer. Yeah, a lot of questions for PLD, and for everyone who's mad, we're not talking about the first place Jets. Hey, we know they're in first place. They're a great team, huge favorites tonight. But, you know, sorry, we got a tweet from Selman Hustler that says, oh, we're talking about, you know, PLD and not the team. Look, we talk about them, but there's other stuff going on, too. It's contract stuff lurking in the background. Been a big week, big uh, couple days in Montreal for PLD. Uh, had the big kickoff for his new uh, new old foundation, uh, taking over Vinny LeCavalier. And there he was at his locker being asked a number of questions from Montreal media, but also Jeff Hamilton, who was on this show yesterday, embracing debate with you about uh, <laughs> about uh, the future of Pierre-Luc Dubois and some other Jets players uh, getting in there and asking uh, PLD uh, about, you know, some concerns fans may have and just about if he thinks about his contract. I'm kind of surprised PL PLD even addressed these while they have a game tonight in Montreal. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I think we knew the questions were going to be there. And, uh, and listen, for whoever's giving us a hard time, I mean, check yesterday's show. I mean, I don't want to say it was... The thing is, you don't want to get too carried away for being in first place for one day or two days yeah. as if the team won the Stanley Cup. Um, but I'll tell you what, when I've been popping on other shows outside of the market, I've been damn sure to remind everyone what's happening with the Winnipeg Jets and we'll continue to do so. Um, and, and this week, I think people are going to be talking a lot more about the Winnipeg Jets outside of the market. Certainly in Montreal, um, I'm not even sure if the Habs and their Hab, Hab fans are paying attention to what's happening at the top of the standings right now because like it is in Arizona and Chicago and some of the other markets, it's the inverse standings that they're caring about right now. How close to the bottom can they get? What are their draft lottery chances to get Connor Bedard? Very different story here in Winnipeg with the Jets in first place in the West. Uh, and I think a lot of talk about the Jets. We'll see it. I can almost guarantee it. Tomorrow... Thursday, when the Jets get into the media center of the National Hockey League in Toronto and, um, you know, setting up a huge matchup between the Leafs and Jets, uh, they will be the conversation around the hockey world. So they'd have to wait a day for that. And the best way they could do, uh, the best thing the Winnipeg Jets could do, I'm sure, to even boost the volume of those takes is to have a great game tonight and get another two points in the standings against the Montreal Canadiens and go in with some real confidence um, as they should have right now uh, with the way that they played, you know, looking at the standings Reem, and Dallas did uh, um, uh, Dallas did tie the jets at 59 points last night, although they have played one extra game uh, jets right now, eight, two and oh, with, uh, with three wins in a row. And I do believe if they win this one tonight, they'll actually go into uh, Toronto at nine and one in their last 10. Um, certainly amongst, uh, well, that would be the best number in the entire National Hockey League right now. Couple other teams, Tampa's got an eight and two record in their last 10, uh, as well as the Seattle Kraken, who actually lost yesterday to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, but listen, we'll get to where the Jets are in the standings and, of course, everything else outside of this game tonight in a minute. Uh, but Dubois is coming home. I mean, if you didn't think that there would be a lot of talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois when the team got to Montreal, you weren't paying attention in the offseason. And I think when we did our yearly review review at the end of 2022, if I'm not mistaken, middle of the summer, the Monday after Pat Brisson made those comments in Montreal, 
was our most viewed YouTube episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk for the entire calendar year. Yeah, that's correct. We had about a thousand people in chat, which was our record, I think, after that. So a lot of interest in Pierre-Luc Dubois, Montreal Canadiens, and there was going to be chatter uh, about him. He's having an amazing season, Hustler, a career year, and he's an RFA after this season. He did, and the team has one year of control. So what's going to happen with him? Is he, Are they going to trade him? Are they going to sign him long-term? You and Jeff went into that pretty in-depth yesterday, and you know, he had to come and face the music. You know, they're so focused on Dubois. There was absolutely no talk about Shifley playing in Montreal for the first time since the Jake Evans hit because he was hurt last year. And Evans, uh, among a number of Montreal players, he's not even in the lineup tonight. He's out with injury. Uh, Montreal pretty banged up. Slavkovsky, uh, Evans, Armia out. Monaghan's been out. So, I mean, I look at this Montreal lineup, Huss, and I don't know. I play DraftKings, you know, and play fantasy. You know, we do this show. I look at lines every single day. There are a number of players in this lineup that I have no idea who they are. Yeah, so. Michael Pizzetta, come on down. Raphael yeah. Harvey Pinard, nice yeah, to meet you. Never heard of him. Who's this uh, Harris? The Harris on the first line with David Savard. I'm not familiar. Jordan Harris as well. I don't well. know who he is. Um, but hey, that's just where the Habs are right now. They got a number of players out. And just today announced that former Jet Joel Armia is on IR. Jake mm-hmm. Evans on IR. Um, as well as, I mean, listen to the guys that are already on it. Carey Price, of course. Caden Gooley, their incredibly talented young defenseman. Paul Byron, Brendan Gallagher, Sean Monaghan. Um, but I guess it's all part of the plan. Uh, but listen, before Matt gets on uh, with us, he's going to jump on a little earlier because we're going to squeeze four guests into the program today. Uh, Reem, let's listen to uh, these quotes, uh, these comments from Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, because... We knew that he would be asked. And of course, considering our conversation with Jeff Hamilton yesterday, it only makes sense that it was Hammer that was um, asking Dubois about some of the topics that we talked about and some of the things that Winnipeg Jets fans are justifiably concerned about with the future of one of their star players, star centers in Pierre-Luc Dubois. And uh, we'll just go through one through three here, Reem. Um, first off, Dubois talked, uh, obviously, about how much fun it is to get back home and play in front of family and friends tonight. Yeah, well, I mean, having friends and family come to the games all the time, uh, obviously special. Uh, you know, I don't, they don't get to come as often. Can I hear it? Um, you know, everybody works or has school and, you know, can't travel all the time. But So just coming here and tonight there's like 14 people or something like that coming. So, uh, I mean, that's always a fun little boost to, to get. And it's always, uh, always big games here. So. That's, uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't think any further than that. All right, there's Pierre-Luc Dubois, obviously excited um, to get back and and play in front of friends and family. And for those of you, we will hit the cool bet lines a little bit later. I couldn't help but peruse to see what the goal prop was for Pierre-Luc Dubois in tonight's game. And it is, in fact, just about two to one at plus 195. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But um, yeah, if you're looking for uh, some Dubois props, if you're in for the homecoming narrative, um, you can get that over at Cool Bet, just about two to one for a Dubois goal tonight. We'll hit those a little bit later on. Uh, but the meat of the situation was the future of Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't need to go back along the summer. We already referenced it. We know what Pat Brisson said. We know why it was such a big story around the Winnipeg Jets and certainly in this market. And uh, Jeff who, uh, as we mentioned, was just getting on a plane before or after we spoke yesterday on WST, 
was there today, and he uh, basically asked Dubois to address fans who may have concerns about him starting a foundation in Montreal after everything that happened last summer. Here's what Dubois had to say to that. I'm wondering if fans worry a little bit. Now, I don't want to take away from the foundation, but like, worry about you setting roots here in Montreal and just given what happened over the offseason. I'm wondering if you thought about that, I mean, the timing or whatever, and, and what you'd say to, like, you know. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, this is I did this three years ago. You know, three years ago is when I started this foundation, um, or kept it going. Um, three years ago is when we, we had one edition, actually. Uh, two years before COVID and then COVID comes so we couldn't do it in the past two years so we thought this would be a good moment to, to kind of relaunch it we, you know reintroduce it to a lot of people um, I'm, I mean I'm born I was born here I have family here I have friends here I grew up here I think those roots are the same as any other French guy in, 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 in the NHL so for me, it's it wasn't anything about you know how can I get closer. It was just how can I help people from where I'm from. And that's that's what it was at the start, and that's what it is today. All right, so, so there's Pierre Luc Dubois in the foundation, and uh, listen, if um, like when Dakota Community Center was renamed the Jonathan Taves Community Center. Um, I'm not sure if it was, and this is a few years ago, and obviously social media and those you know parts of hockey teams have grown immensely in the last few years. But I'm pretty darn sure that the Blackhawks were there covering it and making that sort of thing happen. Um, um, and this is something that I don't think anyone would begrudge anyone from doing something in their home. But uh, Remo, what did you make of what he had to say about that as far as um, some fans taking that in a, in a negative, negative way? way. Yeah, I think if Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to leave the Winnipeg Jets and sign somewhere else, it is not going to be because he has a foundation in Montreal. <laughs> uh, I, that is what I think. Um, look, he's taking over from Vincent LeCavalier, who never played for Montreal. He's from the area. He said he wants to help people. It started, uh, he started this actually in March 2020. Great time to start a business, Hustler, March 2020. Ouch. And this is the first, yeah, and this was not really business foundation, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so they couldn't have in-person events. He's in Montreal. They're launching it here. Um, I don't think, uh, yeah, again, I think if he wants to play somewhere else or wants to play in Montreal, it's not because he has a foundation. It uh, would be other other reasons, and we'll have to wait and see. It's something we're going to watch, but I do see a lot of people in chat who are fired up, and shout out to Jeff asking uh, the tough question. Yeah, listen, it need, you know, we knew it would be talked about, and I think a lot of people wanted to know the timing of it. Well, to be honest, the timing of it makes sense. And uh, don't look any further than the Jets' website. The Jets were more than happy to post that up and get behind it and everything like that. So, I don't know. For people that taking more doom and gloom out of his situation from that, I would back off uh, back off from the ledge. Uh, listen, before uh, Libel joins us, um, let's just get to the other clip about Dubois. Um, it was very simply, I mean where his head's at and if he's even thinking about his contract in the midst of a career year. Um, the season's going so well right now. I mean, we're in first place in the West. Uh, I think if I think of anything else in finishing first in the West and when I stand the cup, I'd do it. It'd be a disservice to, to my teammates and to the coaching staff and everybody. Uh, I think, you know, not that in the past it wasn't like that, but, you know, this year if they're like everybody's concentrating on the team and getting the team to the first place and, you know, home ice and the playoffs and, you know, round one and then so on and so on. So I think that's what makes our team so good right now. Um, you know, anything, we, we talked about this at the beginning of the year with the guys. 
You know, when the team plays well and the team's really good, everybody on the team plays well and everybody feels good and everybody's happy. And that's where my head's at. I, I don't really think any further than that. All right, and uh, you, you know, know what? what? I, I'm, I'm fine, fine with that. Not thinking about the contract now, thinking about the team, thinking about being in first place, thinking about doing big things. And I, I, this goes back to my theory on this, that everything is far from set in stone. And the best thing that can happen if you're a Dubois fan that wants him to be here long-term is watch him have continued success with Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers, watch the Jets continue to win hockey games and go into the playoffs and make some noise and become a top team in the NHL. It makes it uh, that much harder to leave. A very different scenario than we were talking about at the end of last season, to say the least. All right, Sports Rabbi coming up in just a second. I do want to thank the gang down at Manitoba Battery. Uh, the ups and downs of the winter haven't been too bad so far yet, but you know what's coming, folks, and you better be ready for it so you're not that guy calling your buddies for a boost or a tow when your battery is dead. Um, if you're wondering about your battery, pop on down to 1026 Logan Avenue. Donnie and his great staff at Manitoba Battery will give you a quick check-in and test it and make sure that it's good to go, how much life you have left on it. And listen, if you're in a situation where you know damn well you need a new battery, uh, save yourself time, save yourself money by dealing with Manitoba Battery Shopping Local. They will deliver it to you same day anywhere in the city. If you order by 3 p.m., you can simply do that by giving them a call at Manitoba Battery or order online at manitobabattery.com. You'll be shopping local. You'll get the best price in town, save time, money, and gas. No one does, and no one services Manitobans like Manitoba Battery does. Get on down there today if you've got any battery needs. Um have to give a big shout out to our friends at Consolidated Supply for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. People still buzzing about the big month of marbles we did in the tournament of champions which uh winnipeg walter won he's going to be a bomber season ticket holder thanks to consolidated supply uh but much like the bombers coming up looking forward to the summer we're looking forward to spring and those landscaping projects and all sorts of things that consolidated supply can help for you yes they're your first choice for small engine parts and small engine repair when it comes to irrigation for your property landscaping or of course artificial turf maybe you're thinking about that dream putting ground in the backyard or just sick of mowing part of your property spicy joe the guys they can help you with all of that and while you're thinking about that backyard of your property why don't you consider a beautiful new hot tub or maybe an outdoor kitchen they've got it all in consolidated supply pop down and see them in person 1395 niaqua road east or online at cte.ca. Um, we continue to get some great submissions for the Unsung Hero program we're doing with Josh Morrissey and our friends at Wallace & Wallace. Send us an email at unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Let us know about someone in your life, in your area, in your community that selflessly goes above and beyond to help others in times of need and it can also be just great community volunteers people that are spending hours and hours on end at the local community center making sure um, the kids programs are running people going above and beyond within the school system we know how many needs there are there tell us about them our winner the unsung hero this month will also get an autographed josh morrissey jersey and wallace and wallace will donate 500 to the dream factory of which josh is an ambassador for and josh and margo morrissey will match that donation in the name of the winnipeg sports talk listener that nominated our unsung hero so 
Unsung Hero at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. Send us those nominations today. And just before we bring in lives, I know there's a lot of people that are still dealing with the flu and whatnot. God knows the Jets have been. Um, Vita Health is there for you, folks. They've got great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And battling colds and sore throat has never been easier with Colflex Oregano Spray. Every time I mention it, we get amazing comments in the chat from people that have used it. And it's made locally by Inatech Nutrition. Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats. And it helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And online at myvita.ca. All right. Been a minute since we've had the sports rabbi with us. Matt Leibel joined us now. Libs, what's up? How are you? Has it really been a long time? I guess it has. Yeah. It's They're always to too busy for us. No, never, never, never too busy. I'm feeling great. I'm, uh, I'm already, I'm, I'm in my spot in front of my little wall of CDs that I was in front of last time. And I'm ready to talk not about music, but about sports and, Man, it's great to see you. I, I wish you a happy new year. I hope you got through Christmas and Hanukkah and everything okay. And uh, here we go, 2023, the year Dude, of the Dude, we're li living the dream. Me and Reem talking Winnipeg sports every day, and the Jets are in first place in the West. I won't even come at you with the knives talking about the, the demise of Tom Brady right out of the, the gate because there's far more important things to Winnipeg sports fans, <laughs> and that's this Jets season. Um Rick Bonus, the job he's done, I went on. I mean, it's crazy that more people aren't really paying attention. I think that's going to change this week, though, as the Jets get out east to Montreal and Toronto. Um, but we're now into the second half of the season. This team is in first place, not just in the Central, but in the West right now. Very interested in your thoughts and what you've seen so far in this incredible turnaround, considering where we were. I know your thoughts on the team going into the season. <laughs> and even at the beginning of the season. I... Uh... Look, the the sports rabbi, right? That's our that's our little nickname for me here. Um, you'd think I, I should be a man of faith, you know, a believer, <laughs> but I'm having the hardest I'm having the hardest time with this year's team. I, I think that they're fantastic. I love watching the games. Um, they keep beating teams that I don't expect them to beat. They get blown out by Detroit, but they keep beating Tampa, and they beat Pittsburgh, and they went on the road, and they went at home, and they went close. And, They've been fantastic, but I'm just having so much trouble believing that at the end of the year, they're going to be able to do this through the playoffs. I mean, and why? I don't know. That's unfair. Maybe that's unfair, but everyone's playing fantastic. Morrissey's having an amazing year. Hellebuck's having an amazing year. I like the role guys. I like the top guys. I mean, what's not to like, but maybe it's a Winnipeg thing. Maybe the last couple of years have made us untrusting. Maybe because it's the same players, but just a different coach that makes us untrusting. I can't be the only one. I want to be a believer. I'm having trouble being a believer. What's wrong with you? Great. What's wrong with you? <laughs> You've been doing too many weddings and bar mitzvahs that you're just catching the highlights of the games and not watching them all. Matt, and even that, that Detroit game you mentioned, the funny thing about that Detroit game was they started off horribly and Hellebuck had an off night. The last 40 minutes, they looked like the freaking Harlem Globetrotters against the Washington Generals. And then every time the puck went in, and it was just and one of those got... nights. I'll say this, though. I, I, I'm not sure that there is a single game that 
could galvanize, could basically take someone that was on the fence or still had a negative view and turn it around than that win in Pittsburgh on Friday night. I mean, when you think, and listen, I didn't think they were very good in Buffalo at all. Rick Bonus didn't either, but they got the win, and that was Hellebuck paying one back for what happened the night before as he, an elite goalie, can. But, man, that game in Pittsburgh on the second end of back-to-backs, three and four nights, all these things that have been drilled into us that make it so hard to win uh, by certain members of the organization in the past, um, I mean, to me, was a real statement game by the Winnipeg Jets. And, yeah, they came back and they got the job done against the Arizona Coyotes. But I, I think that game is one of their best games of the season and just more evidence that... If you're waiting for the bottom to fall out on this, I don't think it's going to happen. No, I'm not saying they're running the table and winning the Stanley Cup, but I don't know how we can look at this team now into the second half of the season and not respect what they've done and consider them a legitimate contender in the Central Division and the Western Conference. And, and that's what I'm talking about. Like Everything you say makes perfect sense. And by the way, I love seeing how fired up you are. It's, it's nice to see you excited about the Jets. It's nice to see people excited about the Jets again. Um, it was only really a short time ago that they were a really, really competitive team that went to the conference finals. For the last couple of years, and maybe it's the pandemic too, have made people a little bit, you know, down on the Jets, myself included. And like I said, I feel like that's probably the main reason. They have all the ingredients. They look fantastic. The, the, the best part to me about this team is how good they are down the middle, right? In 2018, what separated the Jets, what made the Jets great, was that Shevelyev went out and got Stastny, and they had legitimate, legitimate two centers who could both be your top center. And they have that finally again this year. I mean, Dubois, this is the Dubois that everyone hoped he was going to be as soon as he arrived. Oh, my God, it took him a couple of years, <laughs> you know, to, to grow into this player. And now everyone's freaking out in town because he might leave. And I include myself, right? You were just talking about that before I came on. But the point is that right now he is so good. He could be any team's top center. Shifley's playing so well. He could be any team's top center, and they have both of them. And Lowry's having a great year. So I think the top three through the, down the middle, that is, that's what's great. I still, I still just don't completely trust the defense. I mean, Morrissey's incredible. He, he's, he's having the year that I think people thought was possible a few years ago. I'm not even, I'm not even sure that the heights that he's playing at was thought that was possible. I mean, to be honest, I think he's even exceeded what many people yeah. thought was the best yeah. case scenario for Josh Morris. Credit yeah, to my, him for doing it. Yeah. My point is that a few years ago, I think hopes were really high, but maybe not even this high to your point. But in the last couple of years, people were kind of resolved to him being not quite elite. And, and now, I mean, he, there's no question that he's having an elite year that he's an elite defenseman. I just, I always worry about undersized defensemen in the playoffs getting pushed around. I, I wonder about the rest of the defensive core. I love a guy like Dylan Samberg coming up, but let's be honest, he's not going to get the minutes to, I think this to go around in the playoffs. It's probably going to be Schmitty, my boy Schmitty, or Dylan or Pionk, who's like, I don't know. I don't know if that defense, the thing in 2018 their defense was so unbelievable and it took them to the conference final and they had the firepower. They're playing better defensively as a team, I think, this year than they even were then. And clearly, Bonus has them all gelling and playing for each other. And I think they had that in 2018, but, but it's hard to remember. They certainly have it and it feels fresh and different now. But I, I don't know. I, I, 
Maybe I'm trying to keep my hopes down so they don't get crushed. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, coping mechanisms. Yeah, I see some. I, I see some that's great chats. Call. Lawrence Richard. Wow, I've said the same thing as Matt, and I get dumped on by certain Rosies. Well, guess what? We're dumping on Matt right now too, Lawrence. So you got some company. And uh, MC Stormy says, "Come on, Rabbi, bless the Jets." Uh, okay. We, we we could we could use some uh, some blessings as well okay. for the second half of the season in the playoffs. So I want to be clear. At no point in there did I say they were bad. I said what I'm concerned about. And those are like the big picture things because I think that we want this team to be able to go far, particularly if this isn't, is their last shot with Dubois. I mean, these, everyone thinks that if you're good in the NHL, you're going to have this window. And sometimes you do. Sometimes you do have a window of, you know, two, three years. Do you remember when we were in the Super Bowl and the Seahawks won? I remember the morning after we got stranded there and we heard this thing on the air. I promise this will get back to the Jets. And it was Boomer Esaias and talking about how the Seahawks were all young and they were all together and their window was going to be huge. They made it to the Super Bowl the next year and then that window closes really fast even when you have a window. Sometimes my point is you only have the one year. And we want them to be able to go as far as possible this year. And I think that the blessing actually comes from what, what, they do, what management does, right? Like if another step is taken and kind of enhanced here and if a decision is made, maybe not to play Hellebuck, quite so much down the stretch because his numbers are insane, but he's playing so many games. And Riddick has looked good the last couple of times he's played, hasn't he? I mean, this is a guy. Oh, a listen, of years I think Big Save Day has been great, although every time he's going to get a start, uh, the sky is falling to a certain uh, percentage yeah. of the population. Hey, listen, that's just fans in a passionate Canadian market. Of course. Of course. I think that they need to, I need, they need to make some decisions. And then, of course, the deadline, what Chevy does at the deadline um, could end up being hugely impactful. They got Stastny that year at the deadline. I, the year, the very first year they made the playoffs, it wasn't the deadline, but the Kane Bogosian, that unbelievable blockbuster, that yeah. really helped them make the playoffs. So, and even in 2019, I really didn't like the Hayes deal, but, but Chevy's proven that when this team is as good as they are this year, he'll do something, he'll strengthen. So you want blessings. Yeah, I give them blessings. Keep playing the way you're playing. Keep listening to the coach and keep playing for each other. All of that cliche stuff that actually is really true this year. But they also probably need to be enhanced because, I mean, Colorado really hasn't been very healthy this year. And if they're healthy at the end of the year, what kind of team are they? Well, never mind and, that. You could finish first. Like You could finish first and your reward for that could be the avalanche in the first round because of how tough of a season that they've had. But listen, right. as far as the deadline, as you mentioned, and I may as well get to the why not question of the day. I'll throw this out to the chat as well. Why not? By the way, if you missed this, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, uh, but basically while we were on the air, Jonathan Taves spoke to, and I'm not sure whether it was the entire media or whether it was one of the CNBs and the NBC sports people that directly cover the team, much like, a Sarah Oleski back when she was with TSN or say a John Lou would sit down with it. Anyways, it's on my Twitter at Hustleram. I tweeted it out and Taves was talking about, you know, where the team is at. The fact that he always thought that, you know, he'd, you know, retire a Chicago Blackhawk, but because of where the team is at, the writing sort of on the wall of the direction the organization is going. And, um, and it certainly wasn't saying no to a trade. And I have heard that he would be, and again, take this for what it's worth. Um, you know, that Winnipeg would be an option, certainly, I think, because of the way the team's playing so far this year. Does Jonathan Taves intrigue you, Matt, for uh, for an addition to the Winnipeg Jets? I feel like it's that question. Um, 
Jonathan Taves 2010 or <laughs> Jonathan Taves 2023? Uh, it's 2023. There's no time um, machine involved. Um, yeah. With everything in sports, I think it always comes down to what's the price. Exactly. I, I mean, I don't think that if you had an opportunity to get Taves and it would make sense that you'd really talk yourself out of it because of his character as a guy or quality of even as a player now. There's still things he brings that can help a hockey team win, especially come playoff time. And it's exactly the one thing I'm concerned about this team is, and we've seen this so many times before, winning in the regular season, especially in the NHL, very different from winning in the playoffs. That's why I love a guy like Sam Gagne. Love a guy like Sam Gagne. Think that he's the kind of guy who's going to pot a couple of goals. Remember, goals always come from the guys who they should come from, and then you have a couple of extra goals that have to come from when the Jets swept swept the Oilers. It was Logan Stanley. I mean, like that's not going to happen. But like Sam Gagne could happen. Jonathan Taves, it could happen. Justin Williams was maybe like the best guy in the world at that. Right? He was never a top six player. (laughs) Mister Game Seven. I mean, in basketball, it was like Big Shot Bob, Robert Ory. Right? You need those guys who are going to step up and. Quite often, they're a guy like a Taves later in their career, right? That they've been around, that they've learned, that they're smart, that they were gifted, gifted, and maybe lost a step because of just age. But like the, the, the gifts that you have, that you hone over that kind of career, those don't diminish in a guy like Jonathan Taves. And the bigger the opportunity, the more at home he is, and particularly on a team like this, that if they're going to be truly successful this year, and I mean get to the conference final again or whatever the bar is right now that people are setting for themselves as Jets fans, right? Like, I think that would be a place where, I mean, would be pretty lofty, but hey, aren't they second in the Western Conference right now? I mean, so um, if you want to get to a place like that, a guy like Jonathan Taves, at this stage in his career, he only helps you get there. Well, I know, you know what I mean? Listen, he's um, as proficient in the face-off circle as anybody, and we know how important that is to Rick Bonus. And I know some people are saying, well, where exactly would he fit? We just talked about how strong the team is down the middle, you know, with those three centers. I'm not sure he plays center. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they put no. him on and, you know, team him up with, for instance, a Mark Shifley, and he takes more of the draws and, you know, maybe moves to a ring roll. Anyways, there's plenty plenty of intrigue and potential, and I know that is going to be something that we spend quite a bit of time on over the next month. Um, <laughs> while we've got you here, um, did you read the last rights for your guy Brady last night? Or uh, I, I don't think for a second he's done, to be honest. Um, but I wasn't surprised at all at what happened last night. Maybe because of his incredible track record in the playoffs, you just thought that he would turn into Superman. But their team stunk all season. They won the worst division in football. They should have been underdogs, even they were at home last night. And uh, listen, if the Dallas Cowboys didn't choke, and they certainly didn't. Dak Prescott played a hell of a football game. I think we got the result that logic would tell us we received. Yeah, I I had no illusions or delusions that the Bucs were going to win that game. And if they had, it would have been because of one of two things, probably a combination. It would have been because the Cowboys did a bunch of very Cowboys things, like McCarthy and like last year. (laughs) Running out the clock with well, like, I'll be no honest. Time. Brett Mahar, Brett Mahar he, tried he his, best. his best. That was ridiculous. Four straight missed extra points. 
fourth and four late, later in the game. Uh, Brett, just we'll, we'll take this. We're, that's what McCarthy said. We got this. We're, we're going to go ahead and not have you kick here for a field goal. Um, that's, but that's what I mean. You can barely trust the Cowboys for a game because even though they won and even though Prescott looked fantastic, next week they don't have a kicker. Right? Like these are the Cowboys. Like that's what's hilarious about them. But you were asking about Brady. Um, I, they were terrible all year. And a lot, this is the thing though. I can't separate, and I, and I know you, everyone knows I love Brady. I'm trying to be realistic here. The Bucks had issues this year on defense. That's not Brady. They're a far cry from the team that won the Super Bowl two years ago because of their defense. I mean, he provided leadership and he brought everything together and they gelled, but that defense two years ago was insane. Two, year, two years later, they yeah. can't do anything. They also can't run the ball at all. They have no O-line. They can't run the ball. They, they, it was just, it's pitiful. I mean, how much of that is Brady too? Now, did he also miss a bunch of throws and he's out of sync? Yeah, for sure. But physically, and even like the glimmers during the year, like that comeback against the Saints, that was so unbelievable. I, I think in the right scenario, like Tampa was two years ago, because this year clearly it's wrong. I think he needs a very specific kind of scenario to be effective, but he could be wildly effective in like a Miami. I know people think he's going to go to the Raiders, but I think in Miami, he could be incredible. Brady's not dumb enough to go to to go to a division where he's got to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Not to mention the other teams are pretty darn good too, even though the Chargers pulled off one of the most epic choke jobs we've seen in a long yeah. time. But or San Francisco. Like I think Brady, look, clearly the only thing I don't know anything about his personal life. No one does. People think they do, but the only thing I think we know is that his football life is still running his life. Oh yeah. And and somebody like that, like if if you're gonna put away if your marriage is gonna end. Clearly, your priority right now is still your football life, and you think you've got a couple years left in this, and that means that he's going to keep going, man. And I think he could win the Super Bowl next year in the right team. You put him on San Francisco next year? You put him in San Francisco? I don't know why they, there's no chatter. You put him in is Miami, he better than Brock Purdy right now? Yes. I'm, I'm being yes. serious when I ask I know this question. Yes, 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 yes. I mean... Tell you what, that picky through last night, which was on him, yeah, was a real turning point in the game. Just quickly on the way out, yeah, we'll have to do this again. We'll have to do this again later on in the playoffs. You just mentioned Brady's marital status. Of course, he has the divorce, and the football is running his life, but he does have some time off right now. Can you imagine the unsolicited DMs that he's receiving right now? Like, what's the number on that? A thousand? Like he'd need a team just just to go through those right now. I mean, the he'd have to be the most eligible bachelor, literally walking planet Earth right now. Like I can see the twinkle in your eye just imagining it right now. What a what a bizarre situation to be in. <laughs> hey, what do you do? Don't don't what feel sorry do? for Brady, folks. Don't feel too sorry for him. He's had a great run, and uh, I don't think it's over at all, Maddie. All the best to you, my man. Enjoy this game tonight and, of course, that big one against the Leafs on Thursday and uh, maybe next week after what, for my money, the best weekend of football of the year, the divisional playoffs, the top eight teams, four games. Uh, if you got time, we can uh, reconvene, see how the Jets are doing, and uh, get your thoughts heading into the uh, conference championships. It's a date. That was awesome. Uh, <laughs> love to Remus, too, and us keep doing a great job. Thanks. Right on, dude. There's our pal, Matt Leibel.
the sports rabbi himself, one of our all-time all-time favorites here on WST. And we go from one all-time fave to another, heading out to Montreal in just a minute. Talk a little bit more about this Jets-Habs game tonight with our old pal Mo Khan. Um, folks, if you, uh, hey, listen, big game tonight, big week for the Winnipeg Jets, a lot of excitement. If you're thinking about maybe upping your wardrobe when it comes to uh, Jets merch and nowhere else to go than Royal Sports. Um, all of the jerseys available, personalized with your favorite player, name, number, and all that. Tons of exclusives from Fanatics that you probably won't find anywhere else. Not to mention Bomber merch, NFL merch, tons of it, especially for the teams remaining in the playoffs. Blue Jays, Raptors gear, world soccer, they've got it all. Best hockey department in the city. And I've been mentioning this the last few days because, of course, a lot of people that maybe don't regularly skate, seeing what's happening on the river right now and go, man, I'd love to take part in that, but I don't want to buy a $1,000 pair of skates. Check out Royal Sports. They've got some great affordable pairs of casual skates for people that don't need them to play high-performance hockey, but just go out and make the most of winter. 750 Pemina Highway is the place to do it. Royal Sports. You can also check them out online on Instagram, I should say, at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Speaking of upping that wardrobe, though, fellas, if you're looking to uh, up your wardrobe game in the menswear department, you know where to do it. F Apparel. Andrew and the guys are ready for 2023 with custom suits starting at $400. Remo and I have been there a few times getting fitted out. The entire process is a breeze. And while you're at there, you can also check out all the great accessories they have for menswear, socks, shoes, belts. They, uh, they've got it all. And don't forget, if you're involved in a wedding party or have a 2023 grad in the family, don't waste time buying or renting. Get down there, talk to them about great specials they have for wedding parties and 2023 grads at F Apparel. You can find out more or make an appointment online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com, or pop down and see them in person at uh, 190 Smith Street. And hey, we just finished. It's always sad when the final Monday nighter is done of the year. Uh, I did celebrate a great year of Monday Night Football at Boston Pizza with some of my favorite wings last night and some cactus cuts uh, for tonight. Maybe the jalapeno popper dip on the menu. Uh, of course, even with the NFL finishing up in the next couple of weeks, Boston Pizza is still the place to watch all of your favorite Jet games and other games around the National Hockey League on the big screen with big sound. And uh, while you're there, check out the great holiday menu and the staples like the spicy pierogi pizza and the world-famous Boston Wings. And if you are staying at home tonight, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Jets-Habs tonight. We can't have a Jets-Habs game without a return visit from our main man, Mo Khan in Montreal. Mo, what is up? I guess it's the first time we've talked in 2023. Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Is there a deadline to say Happy New Year's? Is it like, you know, I feel like it's like a sample episode, right? Like, what's the deadline here? It is. June, at what January? point? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> well, I think we're friend. under it. We're under it. And uh, listen, we had so many great chats last year. Yeah. I just wanted to commemorate your first 2023 visit. Um, it was two very different teams going in very different directions right now heading into this game. I mean, the Jets have been on an incredible run. They're in first place, not just in the Central Division, but in the Western Conference going into tonight's game. Uh, and I was joking at the beginning, well, we pay attention to the top of the standings in a lot of ways truthfully 
I imagine a lot of Habs fans are looking at the inverse standings and how close they are to the bottom right now. And um, I'm not sure. I mean, put it this way. If this team was competitive right now, would as many guys be on the IR that they are right now, Mo? I mean, uh, what should we expect from this team with a bunch of names, honestly, that many of us haven't even heard that'll be playing tonight? Well, if you notice, I've grown the Connor Bedard playoff year right now for the Montreal <laughs> faithful. Um, you know, it, it's we, we on Hockey Inside Out, we had our last show on December 21st, and the Habs were 15, 15, and 3. When we came back for our first show of 23, they had one win. They were outscored 44 17 during that window of when we were off for the holiday season. And lo and behold, they went from perhaps maybe wild card to now fighting for Connor Bedard in a top five pick. And just before coming on here, I was just having fun on, on tankathon.com with the, with the draft simulator to see how it would play out. And my third reset, the Habs won the draft. So I think right now, perhaps fans, they have come to grips that look, this team now is what it is it is a rebuild. Uh, they were they were playing beyond their imagination of house money of them being you know competitive in the first 20 25 35 games that they had but the reality is Andrew that this is a one line team and that's it and you talk about the fact that this team right now with what they have being built up hopefully for them for their sake that in two three years time they'll be much more competitive in a playoff conversation than where they are now and that half fans have come to grips that this is where they'll take the lumps as we speak and perhaps, perhaps have a chance at a top pick in Connor Bedard, if not a top three pick, and hopefully build upon there. Because for Ken Hughes and for Jeff Gorton, now the main focus for the next 42 days before the deadline in early March, who's going to leave this team that can fetch return value that will help them for maybe the present and obviously for the future of this organization? You know, it's hilarious. Remus just pulled up the tankathon and hit the Habs on the first try. So um, <laughs> there you I'm, go. I'm sure all the Habs fans watching this like uh, like that. Um, on Hockey IO, which by the way, check out Mo's Twitter at MoCon19. You get the link over there. I'm uh, speaking and covering the the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I'm wondering how often the name Pierre Luc Dubois has come up. I imagine it probably wasn't much over the course of the season, but you knew there'd be talk about Dubois coming back home, announcing the foundation that he's taking over from Vincent Le Cavalier. Um, that was a very hot story, certainly in this market for obvious reasons in the summer. This young man is having a career year and is just a huge part of this Jets team that has played so far this season. Uh, I, I do wonder if um, Dubois has been getting much ink or at least uh, is in the conscience of uh, Montreal fans with the way he's playing this season. So let's go back last year when we had this conversation. I laughed at the notion that Dubois we have, and he's not yet, and he won't be a have right now. And if you remember the, at the at the July draft in Montreal, right, Pierre-Luc Dubois supposedly was waiting for the, you know, the rose petals being thrown at him that, hey, he's now Montreal Canadian. That, that never happened. It's always that time when they play the Jets, Andrew, that the talk will come up for Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, of course, we spoke about maybe he does become a hab. Maybe not today or tomorrow or next year, but within the next three, four years, he's in the prime of his career. He's playing very well for the Jets as we speak. And I, I think now for the fan base here, they're dying for a Quebecer to be that man, that, that, that alpha player. I mean, unfortunately for Jonathan Drouin, he's probably on his last 40 games as a Montreal Canadian. Uh, we've not seen the, a great Quebec player of late, and now the the, the hot name is Alexis Lafreniere. Could he be a guy that could be a Montreal Canadian? Maybe not now, but down the road. So I think for Pierre-Luc Dubois, as we speak, he's a ready-made product for this team, but is is the team ready for him, given that, again, they're in the rebuild mode, and for Pierre-Luc Dubois, coming home would be great for him from a storyline perspective. 
But the reality is they're not going to the cup anytime soon, Andrew. And I think for Pierre-Luc Dubois, if he wants to cash in on, a, on another big paycheck, he probably could get that from Montreal, but he may not see many wins for the early time of that contract that he might have the Habs down the road. Well, listen, and it's it's fun, and I mean, this is not unique to Montreal, but maybe magnified there a little bit more because of the hockey market that it is. But it's easy ro- to uh, romanticize a player coming home and playing in his hometown and leading them to great glory and being a legend. Um, but I do wonder, if that happened, and whether it was in a couple of years, if he was the guy and the French guy on the team, yeah, what baggage does that come with in Montreal? Because it's not all positive. No, and I feel I feel for the francophone NHL players that that play. And Drew is maybe the perfect example of that, and he was yeah. quite a young man when he was traded there. He, well, even younger than Dubois is right now at twenty. Yeah, we can go back even 13, 14 years ago. Guillaume Latendresse, you know, when he got drafted, he was eighteen. The the big debate in the market was should he play, should he not play. He made a mistake. He played and, and he flamed out in Montreal after three, four years. And for for Joe Drouin coming to Montreal about five years ago, you know, he got traded for Sergeyev. Look at Mikhail Sergeyev's career. He's had a pretty decent uh, time in Tampa, two cups and and a, and a plethora of, of awards in terms of what he's done for the team. But for for Joe in Montreal, unfortunately, this never worked out. You know, and he had his mental health issues uh, that he had to take time for, rightfully so. And this year, you know, coming down to the final forty games of his contract, he won't resign with this team. The team will look elsewhere. For him, you know, it's a it's a prime example of the expectations being bestowed on a high-end pick like Joe Duran was back in 2013, that maybe he wasn't the guy, and he isn't the guy, unfortunately, and needs to change the scenery. And for a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, look, he's been through the rigors now, Andrew. You think about his time in Columbus, wasn't the most uh, smooth ride down in Ohio. Then he gets traded for Patrick Laine, which is a which is a massive move that happened, what, two years ago, less than two years ago that it was. You know, the expectations have heightened for him. And now in this talk, a conversation that has been going in this market for Montreal, English, and French, they all believe that Pierre-Luc Dubois could be a 30-goal scorer for this franchise and that he could fit well, maybe not on the first line, but for sure on the second line where they do need help uh, moving forward here. So whether or not Ken Hughes sees him in the long-term view, I mean, whether it's through trade or through signing right now, they have to understand that any French Quebecer that plays in the Montreal market it is a microscope, like a NASA level view of a lens that really makes it tougher for this for these young athletes to really thrive in the market because of how they're bottled up by the media and the fans and even family members of expectations that's been bestowed on them, being that perhaps great savior of the franchise. Yeah, well, I mean, talking 30 goals right now for Dubois, he's already at 20 right now, a career high 49 points and Say this, got a pretty good spot right now with Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers <laughs> on his line and the team in first place. And certainly we here in Winnipeg, myself included, hope that that can be very powerful when it comes to making, you know, a career-defining decision that will come at some point over the next 18 months. Uh, Mokon with us from Montreal. Of course, everyone from a Jets perspective, when they're thinking about the Montreal Canadiens, is thinking about the trade deadline. And you sort of mentioned that that is good, the uh, Gorton and Hughes main job right now figuring out what assets they can get for players leaving out when you look at this Habs roster Mo um who are the players that are likely to be gone and might fetch the most for the Habs on a trade market heading into the deadline well I think you have to start with Joel Edmondson uh he's a guy that definitely will be on the block uh unfortunately has had had an up and down season this year for where he's at. Sean Monahan is on LTIR, but he's going to come off, and they know they can get value for him. Uh, you look at Danidoff, you look at guys like Dvorak, 
maybe not now for those last two names, probably towards the off seasons where they'll probably offload it at that point. But even Chris Wyman, for example, I mean, he's a quality depth player that has really brought stability from the veteran perspective for this franchise. He's helped mentor Arbor Jacki, uh, Jordan Harris in particular as well, and Kaden Gooley, who've all played very well up until Gooley got hurt uh, about 10 days ago. But the thing is now, uh, I mean, th- there's guys like Brendan Gallagher who's not going to get dealt now, but the value is for Brendan Gallagher, he, he has to look at himself and say, look, I'm getting hurt quite often now. Is it worth the pain and experience to go through this type of scenario with Montreal? Whereas if I go to a Tampa, whereas if I go to maybe a Winnipeg, a, a cup contending team uh, where my minutes might be reduced, but I'll be fresh. I can win a cup and go into the back end of the career, have a chance to do so. That could be the play maybe towards the offseason. But right now, you look at Monaghan, you look at Edmondson, Dvorak, Danilov. Those are the four names I think that will be on the block. And I think for Ken Hughes going to the final six weeks before the deadline day in early March, he knows that if he can extract first-round picks from whoever wants a Monaghan or even Edmondson as well, can really help build up this team. Because remember last year, Ben Chirac got traded for a first-round pick from Florida. And that Florida pick now could end up being a top-ten pick, if not top-eight pick, uh, going towards a, a June draft year. So this <laughs> team really has built up what they want to build from the core of draft picks obtained to the Ken Hughes era. Well, I'm glad you brought up Ben Sherratt because um, <laughs> as much as everyone gets so horny for the deadline and, you know, wants to get this guy and this other guy and doesn't really think about the cost to acquire these players, I'm not sure there's a better, more cautionary tale than what the Florida Panthers did last year and some of those moves, including getting the Panthers' first-round pick this year in this draft, which I know is all about Connor Bedard and that the top guys, but, I mean, from everyone you talk to in scouting, could be an all-time draft, as deep as we've ever seen. And even if you're getting a first-round pick that's 20th or 25th from a team um, that, you know, that is a legit contender and moving on in the playoffs yeah. could still bear some serious fruit down uh, down the road. When I look at the contracts of the players on the club, I mean, there's a couple guys that I think would have significant interest to teams around the league. You mentioned one of them in Brendan Gallagher, and Josh Anderson's another one, although I think, personally, I think he's way too inconsistent um, to, you know, make a long-term commitment to. The Habs did, but I do wonder. I mean, both of those guys have four years left. Anderson at five and a half and Gallagher at six and a half. You do wonder how difficult those contracts will be to be moved, even if the players would fit in well for the remainder of this season. Yeah, I think Josh is a guy that unfortunately has not really jobbed well under the uh, St. Louis system so far. And I know there was talk back in October, November that he could have been on the block and he maybe was on the block, whatever you want to use as a term. And I just think that, you know, a change of scenery could happen for him. Maybe not now, but maybe in the off year where there could be a market for him. But let's not forget, his style of play is more towards the year 2000 than 2023. It's a unicorn skill set, but it's a dying unicorn skill set that he has right now for, for any NHL team out there. And I think that he definitely, going to the prime of his career, could be a guy of asset down the road. And a guy like Gallagher, as I said before, I mean, the reality is now he's in the back end of his career. He's almost like a worn-down running back in the NFL where he's gone through the rigors of carrying the ball 400 times in the case of the schedule he's gone through. But quite frankly, unfortunately for him, he's not been healthy enough to maintain a full season of games. And I think for him, with what he's earning right now, he's valued probably over what, what he did now 
The reality is from moving ahead here is, does he see this franchise anywhere near being a playoff contender? Probably not. Does he see this team winning a cup anytime soon? Definitely not. He's got to ask himself and his agency, what do I do now? Can Ken Hughes put together a mastermind deal to get me out of here and get some value in return for my, for my liking? If they can do that, then I think they will offload Gallagher. Maybe not now, but maybe next offseason or this spring offseason towards the new year. Uh, Mo, real quick, 30 seconds on the way. Non-hockey question. Of the four matchups next week in the NFL, who is the uh, most likely to pull an upset? Uh, I'm going to say Dallas could do it. I, I saw I saw the Jets, Eagles, in per, sorry, Giants, Eagles in person December 11th. I don't think the Giants have that type of firepower, but the Cowboys defense, if they can play well as they did against Tampa, will definitely give them their passport to punch themselves towards the third round. So Dallas keep the game to watch out for next Sunday night. Mo, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, tell people where they can find out Hockey IO if they want more from the Habs and uh, your crew. Absolutely. We record every Wednesday, post to Thursday. You can go on YouTube, type in Hockey Inside Out. It'll pop up, and we'll have our latest show on Thursday morning at 9 a.m., my friends. Enjoy the game tonight, pal. Thanks for doing this. Take care, man. Be safe. Good stuff. There is MoCon at MoCon19, one of our all-time faves and uh, all-time good guys here on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, right back to the Jets. Not sure what the hell was going on with those balloons, uh, but I can tell you um, that Mike McIntyre is coming up, and that might be, might be a little hint from our producer extraordinaire, Michael Remus. Uh, just before we do that, I want to give a huge thank you to our friends at Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers, as well as huge supporters of curling in Canada and right here in Manitoba is the title sponsor for Reed Carruthers' team and Team Jennifer Jones. And, of course, Princess Auto is also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop down and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road or Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online and get those wheels turning on your next project online at princessauto.com. Uh, as we mentioned, new year, new you. Well, the easiest and simplest thing to do to maybe help yourself in so many ways is drink more water. And we're talking about when we talk <laughs> drinking water, you know it's the great folks at Culligan, family-owned for over 65 years that have been making it happen for Manitobans for, well, pushing seven decades right now. They've got it all, water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and so much more, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Give them a buzz at 694-5180 or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. And before we raise a glass for Mike, uh, we will remind you some great deals right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts from our friends at Beam Suntory and the official spirit of the Bombers, Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. Right now, best price you'll find all year long is in stores for the amazing CC Canadian Club 12-year reserve. There's also a new rye on the market from Beam Suntory, Rifle Rye, with a deep, deep discount for the month of January. If you're a whiskey drinker, head on out to Manitoba Liquor Marts right now and check out those great prices on Canadian Club 12-Year Reserve and Rifle Rye. All right, let's welcome in Mike McIntyre. And uh, Mike, are those balloons for you by any chance? There we are. Happy birthday to you, my friend. 
uh, I brought a prop today. My my teenage daughter insisted on this, so let me just put this on. There we go. <laughs> few of the a few of the candles are kind of limp. I don't know why that is. That's uh, that's not that's not at all a statement on where you're at right now. And no. in, uh, in, in, in uh, as far as the the front nine or the back nine, yeah, you look great. Thirty nines never look so good, my man. <laughs> I wish I left 39 in the rearview mirror. Uh, oh, the confetti cannon too! Wow, Remus is going all out today. This is incredible. Remus told me. Remus told me that he would have something special here, and Remus never, never disappoints. So thank you, my friends. Uh, good, good to be spending part of the uh, the birthday with you here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Well, thanks for doing this, and again, congratulations and happy birthday. And uh, you know who has not been uh, disappointing many lately? is the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, with the exception of the disappointment of the loss to Detroit for what was hanging on that game for a certain head coach and a chance to go to the All-Star game. Right. Other than that, it has been smooth sailing. And, I mean, Mike, we've had some in-depth Jets conversations before. I want to go back to Friday night in Pittsburgh. Um, you've been there a number of times. You've seen the Jets get massacred. I mean, that has been a house of horrors traditionally. Yeah. I don't want to make too much of the the Arizona game. They did what they had to do. They came back quickly and got the win. But what were your takeaways from the way the Jets ended that road trip, considering the way it started, an ugly performance that Connor Hellebuck almost won for them on Thursday in Buffalo, and then coming together the way they did with, for my money, maybe the best 60 minutes of hockey we've seen this team play. And now we talk about a first-place team going out east to Montreal and Toronto. Yeah, I think when you look at the circumstances of that game, you know, they had played the night before um, and they had won, like you said, maybe in spite of uh, of some things that Rick Bonus didn't like, aside from their goaltender. Um, but that was a game in, in, a, in a building, like you say, where they've traditionally been absolutely hammered, where you figure, I mean, if they could somehow scratch and claw and maybe get that game beyond regulation, you'd almost take that as a victory. Instead, Huss... The Jets came out and absolutely schooled the Penguins. I mean, Sidney Crosby, arguably the greatest player of his generation, was held without a single shot on net. And that's not easy to do. That doesn't happen very often. The Jets basically threw a blanket across the Penguins. And, you know, they they capitalized on their chances. And I agree. I mean, that that's on a very short list for me, that game in Pittsburgh, of of impressive Winnipeg Jets uh, performances this year. And I think it reinforced what we now have seen on numerous occasions this year. And that is this team has a template for winning. And that Pittsburgh game, that might be the first example where they followed the template to a T when they've pretty much been fully healthy. There had been some looseness to their game in the previous three or four since they got all those injured guys back and I think that was to be expected you're adding offensive weapons like Ehlers, Perfetti, Wheeler and Schmidt to have those guys kind of immediately play the way that you know the Asamonts and Reichels and you go down the list of guys that had kind of filled in uh, that was probably asking a lot and so you know it was only natural that maybe they get away a little bit from that but they sure as heck found that formula again against the Penguins and you know Arizona is not nearly the team that Pittsburgh is but the Jets save for maybe a few minutes of that game they really didn't give the Coyotes a whole lot either 
And it just goes back to what Rick Bonus, you know, preached at the start of the season and what, what we've seen more often than not, that this team really knows how to clamp down and not sacrifice on the offensive side of the game in any way, shape, or form. They're still scoring, you know, four or five a game and and doing things well at both ends of the ice. And it's why they are tops in the West right now. You know, and 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 I think the Jets have snuck up on a lot of people this year, uh, whether it be opposing teams, certainly fans outside of the market that haven't been paying attention. Um, what a great opportunity to um, emphatically show that the Jets truly are a top team in this league considering where they play tonight, but especially on Thursday. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't get the sense at all that this team, and especially with what we've seen and heard from Rick Bonus is at all content or comfortable. Uh, and I don't think they're going to take the foot off the gas. I mean, sure, there, there's going to be games where they don't have it. Um, and there'll probably be a bunch of those, you know, over the next couple months still. But by and large, this is a team that, uh, that like I say, has the blueprint. They, they typically do follow it. And, you know, five-game trip here, but you look at the opponents, and I guess save for the Toronto Maple Leafs, on Thursday, which is shaping up to be a, a showdown of Canada's top two teams right now. Um, you know, you look at the opposition and say, well, all of these and, and the Toronto games winnable as well. Like there's a chance for the Jets to, to do some damage on this road trip. Uh, and they only have eight games left between now and what is going to be an extended break. And I think, you know, the Jets, they want to put as much distance between themselves and the rest of the division as they can. And and so you have teams like Nashville, St. Louis, Colorado, who are still kind of hanging around in that wild card mix. Um, and the Jets have double-digit leads on all of them. Winnipeg obviously doesn't want to let those teams back into the mix. They've got their sights set on top place in the Central, at worst, a top three finish in the Central. And I, I would say at this point, Haas, top two because they'd like home ice advantage for the first round at least of the playoffs and so you know i think they're going to continue to go out and and you know play the way we've seen them play more nights than not uh and they are getting healthy you know they they've only got three guys out of the lineup right now in gustafson appleton and stanley and none of those are are absolute core players they've got those guys back um and you know th for those three hus like when they're ready to return, I don't know that there's necessarily a spot for any of them waiting uh, because the guys that are here right now are playing so well. Well, you know what? Okay, just on that, because I want to get to Dubois and some of the other big stories around that. But Mason Appleton, since being reacquired by the Jets from the Kraken, has essentially been stapled to Adam Lowry and played right. almost exclusively on his right side. Morgan Barron has emerged as a regular with Lowry, and I think his play as of late has really continued to improve. And Carson Kuhlman's sort of been the, the wild card here. Came out of nowhere, being acquired off of waivers. It was right when the Jets were decimated and spent the first few weeks playing with Mark Shifley. Now yeah. the top six is healthy. He's now in the bottom six and playing with Adam Lowry. Um, is it an automatic that... Appleton gets his spot right back out of the gate. Does he get first crack at that? or um, and, and what becomes of Kuhlman if that's the case? It's very interesting because of the competition we've had with sure. guys that have all, frankly, stepped up and played quite well and done what they've been asked to do to help the team win hockey games as to how the dust settles if you ever get to a fully healthy lineup. 
yeah, and it's not, I, I don't think it is guaranteed that Appleton goes back. And, you know, to me, Huss, you just have to look at last game. Who is the healthy scratch as a forward for the Jets? Oh, Sam Gagne, the guy that has eight goals, which is tied for fifth on the entire team, <laughs> eight goals with Josh Morrissey. Only, only four players on the Jets have more than Sam Gagne's eight goals. And he he couldn't even crack the lineup the other night. And this is a guy with now over a thousand games, a, a guy that's kind of done everything you could have expected, and then some this year. You know, he's played bottom six, he's played top six, um, and and he finds himself now, you know, out of the lineup because of the the competition and the quality. And you know, you just look at morning skate today in Montreal. Colleague Jeff Hamilton is is on this road trip for us. Nikolai Ehlers takes maintenance. Sam Gagne is the guy that's skating, you know, up there on that line with Dubois and Connor and probably a placeholder because it looks like Ehlers will play tonight. That's what Rick Bonus said. However, if, if Ehlers for some reason wouldn't have been able to go tonight, a guy like Sam Gagne could step right out of the press box as a healthy scratch and potentially be put on that line. We, he's played there before which again just speaks to the depth right now that they have at the forward position. And I think that's what Mason Appleton is going to run smack dab into. Um, will he get, will he get a look? Absolutely. He will. Is it going to be in the spot that, you know, he was kind of written in permanent ink when the season began. I don't know about that. Um, but again, lots can change. You know, there's still 34 games, plus left here, 38 games, I guess, left in the season. So um, to expect the Jets to kind of go through the rest of the year without any further injuries is probably unrealistic. Uh, but we do know now that this Winnipeg Jets team, and it was part of when we sat down last week in uh, in Buffalo with Winnipeg Jets general manager Kevin Shoveldayoff for his state of the midseason uh, address, uh, first time we've heard from from Chevy since training camp, that was one of the many topics we we covered with him that, geez, this team maybe is a lot deeper than we thought it was. And some of these signings that Shoveldayoff made in the summer, whether it was Stenland, you know, Manalainen, obviously waiver pickups like Kuhlman and, and Janssen Fialbi. These are guys that have all played meaningful minutes at this point in the season. Uh, and and it's it's a big part of why the Jets have been able to uh, to tr- more than just tread water when the injury bug bit hard. You know, they've stayed well above water. You know, uh, Mike, I, I have to get to a comment in the chat. Wishing you a happy birthday. Uh-huh. Our buddy Todd Fertani. Happy birthday, Mike. What did you get for your birthday? A phone and wallet, both with pocket chains? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, my wife joked that I, oh, there's the confetti again. Thanks, Remus. I uh, I think at this point I need I need strings attached to all of my important worldly possessions. Plus, I didn't even tweet about this one here. I'm giving giving Winnipeg Sports Talk a little insider information. So on Sunday, when I finally, after I drove five hours through the night Saturday from Pittsburgh to Toronto, after my Pittsburgh flight had been canceled twice. And so I finally said, screw it. I'm just going to get myself to Toronto so I can get home because I didn't want to miss my own family birthday party Sunday afternoon that was going on with or without me, by the way. <laughs> um, so uh, there I am going through security at Pearson. This is, again, keep in mind on a road trip where I've already lost my phone and my credit card. 
thankfully recovered both of them. <laughs> so I, I walk away from security after, after, you know, checking my stuff. And one of the security agents is, sir, sir, is this your passport and Nexus card? <laughs> which I've left, which I've left behind in the bin. And so I, you, you literally can't take me anywhere these days, Huss. Like I am a Jeez. walking mess and I'll blame that on lack of sleep and brain fog and stress and all that. The but vaccine. Like, it's the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, is, is there a vaccine for stupid? Because there is, I need a, I need a double dose. Um, thankfully, Jeff uh, Hammer is on this road trip because I think if I had had to go right back onto the road, uh, there's no telling what I might have lost, along with probably my sanity as well. Well, it's uh, <laughs> good to see. Weaver did say that there is still some time and everything happens in three. So they're waiting for the third thing. And well, it was the passport and Nexus right. going through checkout. You mentioned Jeff Hamilton. That's a per perfect little transition. Jeff and I had a fun back and forth yesterday talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois, his situation with the Winnipeg Jets. Obviously, that's going to come up when the team gets to Montreal. Um, interested in your thoughts on, you know, the Dubois situation. What, if anything has changed, uh, and, and you know, he doesn't really have to make any decisions now. And I think he was pretty clear. He's happened, having fun right now playing for the team, but, Great. um, you know, I'm still, listen, I'm way more optimistic now than I was last summer. And I guess the biggest part of it is where he's playing, how he's playing, who he's playing with, where the team is in the standings, the vibe around the club. Um, but I'm interested in your thoughts on, you know, Dubois' situation, considering he's having a career year, regardless of the cost it's going to be to keep Pierre-Luc Dubois, just about his intentions and how impactful this season and the good vibes around the Winnipeg Jets might be in an eventual decision on where he wants to play for a considerable period of time. Well, let me start by saying this, Huss. If the Winnipeg Jets don't ultimately re-sign Pierre-Luc Dubois long-term, I am very confident in saying it will have nothing to do with money. That is to say, the Winnipeg Jets will pay Pierre-Luc Dubois what he's worth, and then some, perhaps. The Jets are not going to lose PLD if they do lose him because of money. Uh, so let's kind of put that narrative to bed. Um, because I, I've seen some suggestion out there that, oh, the Jets are going to have to pay up, you know. Well, they will pay up. They will happily pay up to keep Pierre-Luc Dubois. That's what you and, do with world-class players. Absolutely. And and again, the Jets have a great track record of paying, you know, it, it, Dubois is not a drafted and developed talent, but certainly you go down the list of, you know, whether it's Morrissey, Shifley, uh, Ehlers, Connor. Hellebuck, I mean, guy, they've extended all those guys long term and they've paid them, uh, you know, big money. So the Jets aren't going to the Jets aren't going to go on the cheap here and lose PLD. If they lose PLD, it's because he wants to go somewhere else. I don't know. Did you see Huss? Did you see the answers that Rick Bonus gave this morning in Montreal? Very, very interesting about Pierre Luc Dubois. You know what? If you can't talk about it a little bit, we've just got it, and uh, yeah. we're going to be playing it uh, at the end of the show. Um, or at least give us your thoughts. And we might yeah. even have a clip right now, which we can crank out. I'll see what Remus has to say. Yeah. So naturally, I mean, they're in Montreal and there's a ton of Montreal media there. And naturally Pierre-Luc Dubois and his future comes up as a subject. 
Uh, and Rick Bonus, and I got to think when Jets fans, you know, hear what Rick Bonus said today about Pierre Luc Dupois, they're going to love Rick Bonus even more. And I'll say this about Rick Bonus, Huss. He's kind of proven to be a man of his word on many fronts. You know, he said he's going to get this team to play uh, better two-way hockey. He has. Um, and some promises he made to certain players, you know, we, we've now heard uh, the story. It's been repeated a few times how in one of his first conversations with Josh Morrissey after he took the job this summer, Rick Bonus said to him, we're going to get your name on Norris ballots this year. I, you're going to be a top 10 um, you know, Norris Trophy candidate. Uh, right now, Josh Morrissey would be more than a top 10. He'd be a top five. He'd be a top three, I would say, at this point. Um, so to hear Rick Bonus say things today, and I know you're going to play the, the clip here, so I won't give you the full you know, breakdown of every word, but he basically said that he had a conversation with PLD when, he, when Rick Bonus took the job, and he said... I'm going to do everything I can to help you stay in Winnipeg. And, you know, Rick Bonus, he's proving to be a pretty good representative of the organization and the city. And the players love him. Uh, so if you got a guy like Rick Bonus that's going to PLD saying, you know, I'm going to make, I'm going to do everything I can to help you stay in Winnipeg. And then look at how the first half of the season has gone number one team in the Central, number one team in the West, PLD on track for a career year, might get 100 points when all is said and done. Uh, th th there's a lot of good vibes, I'd say, around all of that. And, you know, whether it ultimately makes a difference or not, time will tell. Uh, but I don't think you could ask for kind of a better start to the season and a better relationship than what is clearly been established here. Okay, Remo's got the clip ready, Remo. I'm not sure whether it's four or six, but why don't you fire it up and let everyone listen to it, and then we can uh, speak to it a little bit more after everyone's heard it. What do you think about Pierre-Luc Dubois? I'm wondering, you know, obviously his contract status is a big thing in Winnipeg. I'm wondering if you feel like it's your part of your job to convince him that Winnipeg's a good place to stay. And not just him, but players in general. I told him that when I got the job. I'm going to do everything I can to keep you to help you uh, stay in Winnipeg. So that's what I said that to probably in July or August when I called him. Well, in the, in the July and August, how much did you make of that that summer about you know, the comments that, and the yeah, but that's yeah, that okay. So now it's time will tell on that. That's totally out of our my control right now. He's going to do what he wants to do. What's best for him in his career. All I can do is tell him. I'd love to see you be a Winnipeg Jet for a long time, and I'll do everything I can to keep you in a Winnipeg Jet uniform. All right, so there's Bones doing a bit of a pitch and a pitch that started the day he became the head coach. And um, listen, this this run for the Jack Adams started in July, didn't it, Mike? <laughs> it sure did. Uh, you know, and Rick Bonus, like we're we're learning more as we go along about just how much outreach he did with these players. I, I don't know if you've heard the story. Like he went golfing with Morgan Barron in Halifax in the summer. Like Rick Bonus. He did a lot of work before they even got to training camp to get to know these players, obviously to find out maybe what went so wrong last season for the guys that were here and to lay the groundwork for a much better 2022-23. And all that work, Huss, has clearly paid off in spades. And, you know, Rick Bonus said, 
you know, he's going to do what's best for his career. I would say Rick Bonus and the Winnipeg Jets are making a pretty compelling case this year that what's best for Pierre-Luc Dubois' career is to stay where he is, that the grass, you're not going to find greener grass than what you have here, even though I look out my window it's right covered. now. Yeah, there's no grass at all to be found, let alone of the green variety. Um, but the saying, the old cliche still holds. I mean, this, the world is his oyster in terms of Winnipeg and Pierre-Luc Dubois if he sticks around. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of of decisions that are going to have to be made. And we talked a bit with Chevy last week about that. When you have not only Dubois, but Mark Scheifele, Connor Hellebuck set to be UFAs in 2024. Like this team could look a whole lot different in 18 months from now. But my goodness, if you could get Pierre-Luc Dubois to sign long-term here, um, you know, and I, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois, I really do think he likes it here. I, I, more than likes, I think he loves it here. His dad, his you know, his family is here. His dad is an assistant with the Moose. And we've seen Pierre-Luc Dubois last year and again this year really take on a much bigger leadership role. Just the camaraderie that you see between him and his teammates and just little things, Huss, that, you know, on, on their own, they don't add up to much. But, like, there he is last week after that home game, and he's blasting out the victory song in the dressing room, which I don't know if you heard it, is Alejandro Kirk's walk-up song. It is just <laughs> – it was quite something. It was playing just, like, overwhelming volume when we walked into the Jets' room. And um, we found out the story behind it. But, you know, and just, again, his his goal song, and he's loving that the fans are singing along and singing his name. Credit to you on on getting that ball rolling, Huss. I just get the sense that, that yeah, I mean, he's probably going to take a look around and see what's out there. And maybe Montreal has the inside track just because of, you know, that's where he's from. I just think in some ways we're seeing Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of fall in love with, with this team and this community. And when the time comes to make a contract pitch, I think the feelings will be very mutual on behalf of the Jets. They love Pierre-Luc Dubois. And they want him to stay. If only we could just get this sped up, get him signed in the next few weeks, and they could announce it at Festival de Voyageur. That would be, that would be the most incredible. I don't don't get your hopes up, folks. I imagine it'll take a little bit longer, and I mean it'll certainly be a huge story around here just because of how important he is. And yeah. I mean, listen, you can't talk about Dubois without talking about the assets that the Winnipeg Jets gave up to get him, which, of course, is Patrick Laine, who did sign an extension in Columbus. Right. And to be left holding the bag with nothing, a la Johnny Gaudreau in Calgary, I think would be disastrous for this franchise just because of how valuable he is. Um, but at the same time, the clear number one priority is to get him inked here and staying here beyond the next couple seasons and... Honestly, if they can get that, the Connor Hellebuck issue is, you know, another one. I mean, those are your young core players. I do see it very different with Mark Shifley, who is going to be, what, turning 30 next month and 31 at the end of his contract. Uh, but holy smokes, he's had an incredible season as well. And, you know, you do wonder what this team could be capable of over the next few years if the majority of that group can stay together. Right. Um, all that being said, I have to ask you, just go back, going back to your shovel day off conversation. Um, listen, I think we all agree and weren't expecting Chevy to sort of lay the cards out on the table and tell everyone exactly what his plan is. 
Um, but what were your takeaways from, uh, you've had many of these chats with Kevin before, obviously it's a pretty nice time for him to meet the media with where his hockey team is right now, considering the questions before, I mean, now what were your takeaways from uh, your sit down with Chevy as it relates to the rest of this season and the team going forward? Yeah. I mean, th- there was no victory lap by Kevin Shoveldayoff, even though he probably would have been entitled to do one, given I uh, wanted that Vince McMahon strut with all you guys <laughs> waiting in. What do you guys want? <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. As I wrote in my in my column last week, he he always has his poker face on. And it was interesting when we went down to the Players Hotel in Buffalo last uh, Wednesday afternoon to speak with Chevy um, in the room right beside where we uh, where me and Scott Billick and Kenny Weeb uh, sat down with Shovel Day Off. Uh, a bunch of Jets were playing poker, uh, uh, you know, and, and so it was, it was kind of fitting that uh, the GM was next door and had his poker face on. But I did I did feel in a way, Huss, that he kind of tipped his hand a bit. And he did not, he did nothing to dissuade the idea that he would be willing to go all in this year for some of the reasons that we just touched upon, the uncertainty with, with the contract status of key players. You don't know what the future looks like, um, how wide open the, the current window might be. And the, the fact that the West is very winnable, in my opinion. And here, last Wednesday, the Jets were not number one in the West. They were close to that. Now they are. Um, I think the team we all thought would be the juggernaut that would be almost impossible to knock off, the Colorado Avalanche, they're not even in a playoff spot today. Um, and and they've got some work to do just to get into a playoff spot, let alone you know top three or anything like that. Uh, the Jets... You know, why not us? Why not now? And when Kevin Shoveldayoff says things like, I think you have to seize the moment. You don't know where the future is going to go. The cap, contracts, injuries. One thing about this game is when you have an opportunity, you should try and take it. As a player, you hear stories of players getting so close and never achieving their goal. The woulda, coulda, shouldas of things at the end of their careers. Um, So to hear comments like that, a little bit of insight, I think, into the mindset. And if I'm a Jets fan, I'm pretty excited to hear the GM talking like that because I think of all the years, Huss, to me, this is the one to get really aggressive, to take the big swing. And so a a move at the deadline akin to what we saw in 2018 where Paul Stasny was a huge swing at the time. It was one of the biggest moves of deadline day and you look at what Stasny brought help get the Jets to that third round um I think the Jets should be looking you know and so whether it's Bo Horvat or Jonathan Tays um we know the Jets have some cap space they haven't had to tap in to LTIR they've been accruing they'll be able to weaponize that and so taking a big contract or two is not out of the realm of possibility. And and to me, well, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's go for it. Well, l- let me mention Taves because um, he spoke to the Chicago media yesterday and um, basically, from my perspective, said, listen, we all know where this team is right now and where it's going. Would it be nice to retire a Blackhawk? Absolutely, but I'm not sure that that's sort of in the cards for the plan, uh, for, for the plan of the organization uh, for both he and Patrick Kane. 
Right. Um, what do you think about a fit for uh, for Taves? And the fact that he makes so much money and is very and has a no trade, does that make the cost? I would listen. The cost is going to be less than Bo Horvat, even on yes. a rental deal. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's some money that's going to have to be um, um, you know, accounted for there, and I would expect the Blackhawks to do some retaining probably helps the return um the more they would retain the better the return i'm not sure the jets would need to take i mean if we're talking about a deal at the deadline with so much of the season gone yeah um i mean you're talking yeah ten and a half million dollars but you're also talking about 65 or 70 percent at least of the gone, season already sure. being paid out i just think if you're the jets and you want to uh, just one player might not they may they might want to make multiple ads and so the more yeah. um but yeah, I mean, we know Jonathan Taze can control, you know, he's got the power, obviously, with the with the no trade. And I, I have to think, um, when he's looking at the landscape, where, you know, and the idea of where could I go and potentially win another cup, when the team in his own backyard, you know, where his family still lives, when they're at, right now on top of the conference, and you look at what Jonathan Taze brings and and some things that the Jets could sure use some help in. For all the great things the Jets have done this year, Huss, they're terrible in the dot. Um, oh, and Rick Bonus talks about it nonstop. I mean, and listen, Taves is such a versatile player as well. People are saying, well, where does he fit? He could easily fit on the line. And I wouldn't be surprised if he would look real good playing with Mark Shifley and taking the majority of the face-offs as well. Absolutely. And we've seen, again, guys like Shifley, Dubois, they're willing to move to the wing if it if it's better for the team. And I would think Jonathan Taze, you know, whether he's taking the draws, but then shifting over to the wing, um, you know, for, for the rest of the ship, whatever. They'd, make, they'd find a way to make it work, absolutely. And to me, he's a guy that I think would make a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. And I have to think, you know, Winnipeg would be very exciting to him. And look, we know Jonathan Taze, um, he's obviously indebted to the Blackhawks and what that organization has meant to him in his career. In some ways, Huss, one of the best things Jonathan Taze could do to now help, you know, pay it forward, if you will, yeah. for the Blackhawks would be moving on um, and, and that they could get something for him. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for sure. And it, it'll be an interesting storyline to keep an eye on down the stretch here no doubt about it all right credit to me for keeping a straight face talking to you with that hat on for the entire interview happy birthday yes. again shout out to the fam enjoy this game tonight and uh be a very interesting conversation next week next tuesday as the jets will be finishing off this road trip in nashville and we'll see whether uh where they're at uh, have a good one dude appreciate you as always all right thanks Hus. thanks remits thanks winnipeg sports talk Appreciate it. Lots of love for you in the chat there, Mike. Uh, all right, gang, we're uh, going to shift gears a minute and uh, talk some NFL. One of my favorites coming up, Matt Verderan from uh, Fan Sided. Uh, but we do have a couple more clips from Bones, so uh, hang around. We'll get to the cool bet line. Some big line movement, actually, on this Habs-Jets game tonight, which we'll tell you about. Uh, just before we do that, don't forget, great contest over at Little Brown Jug. 
uh, because Little Brown Jug and Bright Water are teaming up to bring you a prize pack, which will make your day a little brighter. Here it is. $100 little LBJ gift card, four cases of Bright Water, 24 cans of each flavor, a tour of the brewery at Little Brown Jug for you and five friends includes a beer flight and two lip glass each, a black Little Brown Jug t-shirt and hat. What you need to do, head on over to the Little Brown Jug Instagram post, like it, tag three friends, follow Little Brown Jug Brewing and at bright.water on Instagram and share the post to your story for an extra entry. You can enter all week long, so get in on that right now from our friends at Little Brown Jug. And a big cheers to the gang over at the Nick and Nicky DQ Group for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know them well, great burgers, ice cream treats, and hey, if you've got a birthday or a party coming up, nothing better than a DQ ice cream cake or the Blizzard cakes as well. Hit them up on Instagram if you want to custom order one at, at DQ Manitoba or pop down and see Nick and Nikki at one of their four locations, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, and DQ St. Anne's. All right, a little more Jets talk and bones later on, but right now let's welcome in Matt Verderam, national NFL reporter at Fansided. Matt, great to have you on the program. Just listen, before we get to the football, We've been talking a lot about the Winnipeg Jets at the top of the West right now with this great season. I've been noticing from some of your tweets, you're a bit of a hockey guy too and a fan of the maybe the other team that's had the biggest jump this year, the New Jersey Devils. Am I correct? Yeah, you are. Uh, I grew up, I love hockey. I grew up playing hockey my whole life in New York. Um, and I, I am a huge New Jersey Devils fan, which has been mostly pain for the last decade. Um, but yeah, they're actually... They're fun. They're exciting. They're one of the top, I think, statistically, three teams in the league right now, four teams in the league. So um, it's been good. They they almost lost to the Sharks yesterday, which would have been pretty frustrating, but they scored with like eight seconds left and then won the shootout. So uh, it's going good. It's actually seeming, uh, seemingly uh, turning around finally after a decade of, of uh, disaster. Maybe the funniest thing about this entire season of fan interaction in hockey was the fire Lindy chance in the first three games of the yeah. season. And then about three weeks later, after the Devils were beating everyone, the sorry Lindy chance. And uh, we've talked a lot about Rick Bonus and the job that he's done, this complete turnaround here in Winnipeg. Lindy's certainly a guy that'll get a lot of love as well. Let's get to football, though. Um, first off, last night's game, an absolute ass-kicking by the, uh, the Cowboys. I think a lot of people were just expecting Tom Brady to wave his magic wand and do something incredible. Um, but I can't imagine you were surprised. I mean, that Bucks team stunk all season long. They won the worst division in football. Um, and there was not going to be another miracle comeback against that Dallas defense, was there? No, you know, that's the only game all weekend that I picked wrong because in my gut, I'm like, I even said, I think I wrote, it was, Dallas is better. They're better in every phase of the game. But they're the Cowboys. They typically find ways to lose games in these spots. And it's Brady. And within about two possessions of that game, I knew I'm like, I'm going to be wrong in this game because Tampa can't move the ball, can't do anything. That Buccaneers team is one of the weirdest teams in a long time in the sense that even, even last night, in fact, especially last night, it was like they all had different playbooks. There were so many times throughout the year where Brady would throw a ball to Mike Evans and they'd be on the wrong page. Or he'd throw the ball to Chris Godwin, they'd be on the wrong page. Uh, it's a horribly coached team. It really was a Bucks team that just never was able to get any traction. And Dallas, to its credit, um, 
Wilson went out and really, other than the fact that they, they couldn't make a, an extra point, um, they were flawless. I mean, they were great defensively. They were flying around. They got a ton of pressure. And Dak Prescott uh, really went out and had a command performance. So full marks to him. And now they go to San Francisco in a game that I think a lot of people are going to be very excited to watch on Sunday afternoon. You know, me as well. And uh, let me ask you this. I, I, I thought that that line would be about six for the home Niners. It was four, four and a half. It's three and a half right now. Yep. Is that just America's team and the fans of the Cowboys betting that number to a number that doesn't make as much sense? Or uh, do you think that that is where it should be because the Cowboys are that good and could threaten the team that is right now the betting favorite to win the NFC in San Francisco? Yeah, you know, I, I thought it would be about four and a half, and I think that's what it opened as. And now it's gone down. Look, people are always going to bet on Dallas because Dallas is America's team. It's the most public team in the league. That's why last year it was amazing when Dallas was the team that covered more than anybody else. Like The, the Cowboys never covered more than anybody else because their lines are always inflated. Um, I think it's a combination of Dallas looked great on, on Monday night, and I also think it's – Dak Prescott against Brock Purdy, and there are people who are going to continuously say, can Brock Purdy keep doing this? Um, so the line moves that way. San Francisco is the better team. I do think the Cowboys have a real shot to win the game. I think it mostly lies in the fact that they can get pressure on the quarterback, and they're going to have to get a ton of it this week. Uh, the Niners have a good line. Trent Williams is the best left tackle in football. So it's going to be a challenge for Dallas, but I think the Cowboys have a chance. That said, I do think the line's a little low. Four and a half, I was okay with. Three and a half, getting getting it bet down to that, I think the value now is probably on the Niners. Hey, by the way, we hit 500 in the uh, live YouTube chat right now. Welcome to everyone that's new. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. Uh, give a thumbs up, and uh, we're here Monday to Friday, 1 p.m. here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Matt, just before we get to the week, get to the weekend, and maybe because I'm a Chiefs guy, I'm enjoying this a little more. Um, although I didn't stunt on it too much on Twitter because I do remember blowing the 38-10 lead against the yep. Colts in 2014. But, I mean, my God, I mean, you cover the entire National Football League. The Chargers are one of the most confounding teams. How the hell does that happen, and how do they move on? Sounds like there's been a move already, but it didn't involve the head coach. No, it didn't. They, they fired their quarterback's coach, and they fired their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi. And so Brent Staley is going to stay there. And I think a lot of it's because their ownership group is too cheap to write two checks. They don't want to fire Staley and have to pay him and then go out and pay another head coach, um, especially a guy like Sean Payton who's going to be the highest paid coach in the league when he comes back. So I think it was a combination of those two things. Look, that happened on Saturday night for a lot of reasons. Um, they called seven runs the entire second half despite leading by 27 points at one juncture. They – uh, Bill Barnwell pointed this out on ESPN, and it was pointed out, I believe, on Bill Simmons' podcast as well. They kept snapping the ball with like 20 seconds left on the play clock throughout the second half of the game. And it doesn't sound like a big thing, but if you do that enough, that adds up to minutes. I mean, that, that is a lot of time. I'm not saying they need to run it down to one second. Could have run it down in five. You, you could have been cognizant of it. The Chargers were not. Defensively, uh, you know, it was weird because normally when you have a comeback like that, it normally happens because you turn the ball over a lot. You give the other team short fields. The Chargers never turned the ball over. They didn't give up a huge punt return or a big kick return. The defense led Jacksonville just walk down the field over and over and over. Um, 
And then I think, look, it's got to be said at this point here. Justin Herbert, he's got to play better. Like, there's got to be a player or two in a game where you stem the tide if you're that elite talent. I feel like if Mahomes or Burrow or Allen were in that spot, that game doesn't get blown. Like, somebody makes a play, somebody does something. Chargers never did anything. Uh, so I think it was a, it was a total failure. Uh, but it does start with Brendan Staley. And the fact that he's back, look, you can point to the offensive coordinator. That's fine. He deserves to lose his job. Staley's the one who played all the starters week 18. Staley's the one who, when when Herbert got a rib injury in week two against Kansas City, played his quarterback the following week when they were down 28 points. Um, you know, Staley's the one who's the defensive guru who watched his team give up 31 points in 31 minutes to Jacksonville. So, yeah, you can get rid of Lombardi, but I feel like the main problem is still sitting right there. Um, Matt, focusing in on the teams that are remaining, you know, we just talked about the NFC in that Cowboys-Niners matchup. Um, very interested in your thoughts on the New York Giants and Philly. Listen, this is a seven and a half point number right now. Um, I think we saw in spades what happens when divisional teams that are very familiar with each other play against each other for a third time this season. I think there's a great probability that the Giants have this close and cover the number, but what are the chances that the Giants actually upset the Philadelphia Eagles in your mind? I think it's realistic to believe it's possible. I, I, I think the Eagles will find a way, although there's a huge unknown factor here with the Eagles. How healthy are they? It hurts right, right at the top of the yeah, list. Right. I mean, Hurts is is their quarterback. He's a second-team All-Pro. Lane Johnson is a first-team All-Pro right tackle. He's going to go against Kayvon Thibodeau a lot in this game. What if he's not healthy? What if he can't move? And don't be fooled. I will say this. Do not be fooled by practice reports. Of like, yeah, hey, he's a full go. They're not going to come out and say – he can't really give it a go here. Like it's the NFL playoffs. They're, they're not going to tip off to the Giants. Yeah, he's really still hurting. And the other question is too: even if he's hundred percent healthy right now, he feels hundred percent healthy. What happens if he gets hit on that shoulder in the first quarter and he's in the tank the rest of the game? Like you don't know. The other part of it is with the Giants, they're very well coached. Brian Dable's done an excellent job. We actually just did our, our balloting for the pro football writers and, and our awards. And I, in full disclosure, voted for Dable to be the coach of the year. I think he was excellent. Um, the Giants' biggest question mark to me in this game is can they throw the ball consistently? You know, Philly's got a couple of great corners in Slay and Bradbury. The Giants don't have high-end receivers. When the Giants inevitably get in the spots, which third and eight, second and ten, can they throw the football? Or is it going to be a game where anytime they're in third and medium or third and long, it turns into a punting situation? They're going to want to run the ball. Philadelphia is not great against the run. That's what the Giants want to do. But they're going to have to throw it at some point here. How much can they do it? I agree with you. I think they're going to cover the spread. Can they outright win? I think it's possible, but they're going to have to be able to get something out of Daniel Jones in these tough spots on third down against a good Philly secondary. Well, the main event is the game that um, we were waiting for for weeks, and then obviously because of a potential tragedy, one that turned out better than I think any of us could have imagined uh, with DeMar Hamlin, the game was postponed. But we're getting this Bills-Bengals game this weekend. I got to tell you, neither of those teams performed at a level that gives me confidence that they are the team to beat. Um, what did you see from the Bengals and Bills in their narrow wins on the weekend? And how do you, uh, what do you make of the tail of the tape between these two clubs? I think the Bengals game is a little bit more understandable, right? I mean, they were both divisional games, but the Ravens, 
you know, they're a very good defensive team. They're, they're hard-nosed. You know they're going to run the ball. They're going to shorten the game. And that's exactly what they did. Sometimes teams like that are really hard to play against if you're a high-flying team because you want to get out and kind of run, so to speak. And those teams muddy the waters. They make it hard for you to do that. Um, I wasn't surprised that that game was was close. I was surprised it was as close as it was. I didn't think it would take a 98-yard fumble return for Cincinnati to win the game. But I, I thought it would be close. The Buffalo game, to me, is more alarming. Look, I understand that the Bills have turned the ball over a lot this year, more than anybody in football, so I'm not shocked they had some turnovers. The problem they had that did surprise me, however, was they gave Skyler Thompson a lot of time to throw the ball when they weren't blitzing. Thompson had all day, and that has been a problem for the Bills since Von Miller went down. Their pass rush has not been the same. As a product of that, they have not covered as well. There were guys in that Dolphins game who were wide open. I mean, Jalen Waddle dropped a couple of balls right in his hands. Mike Kosicki had a big drop. If the Dolphins had hands on Sunday, they probably would have won that game. And I just wonder if you're Buffalo, can you get home in this game against Cincinnati where the Bengals are probably missing three starters up front? I mean, that that is the game to me. If the Bills can get home and rattle Burrow and hit him and maybe force a pick, I think they win. If they cannot bother him and he can sit in that pocket, the Bills are not going to cover that team. They are going to just eat Buffalo's zone alive uh, in that game. I like the Bengals. I really do. I think the Bengals are going to go up there and win the game because without Miller, I don't know that the Bengals are going to be facing a huge pass rush this weekend. Well, and that's the one thing that I've heard. I mean, there is concern about the Bengals' line. I mean, their tackles are injured. They got another guy. and. You know, I'm exactly with you. I mean, earlier in the season, that would have been a death knell when Vaughn Miller was hunting quarterbacks the way that he was, but they haven't seemed to replace him. No. And it might, it, listen, it might certainly affect the Bengals' running game, but I think we all know when the chips are down, they're putting it on Joe Burrow's back. There's no question. There's no question. I mean, the, the Bengals understand who they are. If they want to throw the ball, to Boyd and to Chase and to Higgins. They want to spread you out. They want to get down the field like, uh, you know, in, in, in chunk plays if they can do it, but they're willing to go underneath. That's the other part of this game. I feel like the Bengals are far more willing to have a 10, 12 play drive than the Bills are. The Bills get themselves in trouble sometimes with these, these go balls that just seemingly never stop. They'll throw one after the next, after the next. And I think Allen's the best deep ball thrower in the league. There's still low percentage throws. I mean, the, the bottom line is it's still a low percentage throw to just huck the ball 50 yards down the field. And so, you know, the Bills, the problem I've had the last, the, eh, let's say the latter half of the year, if Allen doesn't do everything on that offense, it grinds to a halt. They, they don't run the ball a lot. They don't, they don't throw underneath and let guys run after the catch. Like, it, it's so reliant on Allen doing everything. And the Bengals are very well coached defensively. Lou Anarumo is one of the best coordinators in the league. And I think this is going to be a game where he throws a lot of looks at the Bills, tries to confuse Allen, make him hold the ball, make him throw into a bad spot once in a while. Buffalo is certainly capable of winning the game. But I think right now the Bengals are playing better. The only fly in the ointment could be if the Bills just can crash the pocket constantly but I don't know if they can do it with with Rousseau and Epinesa and Boogie Basham and that Oliver. I don't know that that group is enough. You know, it, it's so funny you mentioned that play selection um, because in a game, a tight game like they had, even when they had the lead on third down, I mean, it reminds me of me playing Madden. I mean, it was basically just four outs, boom, go deep, and 
see what you can happen. And it didn't see, and listen, as great of a deep ball that Josh Allen throws, the best in football, um, it was uh, it was a bit confounding. The other guy that's obviously in the mix for anything to do with quarterbacks is Mahomes. He and the Chiefs had the week off last week on the bye, hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are playing with house money right now. They've sort of won the Super Bowl the last two weeks in a row in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but how dangerous is a Jacksonville team that is very well coached with a great young quarterback going into Arrowhead on Saturday afternoon? I think you have to respect them. Um, I will be honest. I think of the four matchups. This is the one I have the hardest time seeing the, the underdog win. Uh, look, I think it's very hard to have an emotional game like Jacksonville High on Saturday night and then be able to completely regroup, refocus, get right, and then go in a game like this. If they do it, I will I will give them all the credit in the world. They'd be extremely impressed. The one thing I will say for Jacksonville is they have absolutely no pressure on them. They can go into this game with the mindset of, look, this season's been a success no matter what. And if we can lose this game by 40 points, it's not taken away from that season. Uh, for the Chiefs, if they lose this game, it's a catastrophe. And their season was a total waste of time. I I will say, I think, I think Kansas City just outguns them in this game. I don't think Jacksonville has enough talent to win this game. I mean, Jacksonville didn't have any pro bowlers this year. Um, I don't think anybody was particularly snubbed. You know, the Chiefs just have the best players all over the field in this game, including as much as I respect Trevor Lawrence, including a quarterback. I think for Jacksonville to win, they're going to need to play a game that's unorthodox. It's going to have to be a lot of fourth down conversions. It's going to have to be, you know, maybe getting an onside kick. These teams played in week 11. The Chiefs were minus three in the turnover ratio and allowed an onside kick to start the game. And the Chiefs still won 27 to 10 before a garbage time touchdown made it 27 to 17. And the Chiefs had 500 yards of offense. I mean, Jacksonville is going to have to do some things radically different. And that was when they had Smoot, who now is out with a torn AC or a torn Achilles, rather, uh, when they had Cam Robinson. Now, now you're without those guys playing this game. I, I, I think Jacksonville's had a very good year. I think they will represent themselves well in this game. I think it's a tall order to go into Arrowhead in these conditions and win this game. It does sound like the Chiefs are really benefiting from that week off as well, as you know that you know any team would. Um, and again, take it for what it's worth from practice reports, but um, with the exception of Michael Harbin, pretty much everybody accounted for, including Frank Clark. Right. Yes, it seems like uh, Hardman is the only one who's not practicing. And so, Clark, you were one, you know, we're all wondering because he had a groin injury the last uh, game of the year in, in Vegas. But yeah, it looks like he's going to be good to go and, and practice on Tuesdays. They get ready for this game Saturday. I think for the Chiefs right now, look, they're, they're realistic. I mean, it's a three game season for them. And if they win this game, it's, it becomes a two game season. And either you're going to play a neutral site game against Buffalo or you're going to be at home against Cincinnati. Um, and then the Super Bowl, if they were to get there. Um, I just think that, you know, this is, let's, let's be honest. I mean, this is what the chiefs have been waiting for since July when they got the camp. I mean, the chiefs know they're going to be in the playoffs. It's just a matter of what seed are you going to be and who are you going to play? Well, they earned the number one seed. Uh, they got the bye week and now you come into this game and it's like, okay, well, you're playing Jacksonville. It's a team that you respect. You respect anybody you play in the playoffs. You're foolish not to, but I think we can all agree it's a team they should beat. So it's it's a game where you know Kansas City is going to go out very healthy, uh, try to win the game, and then if they do, sit back on Sunday like the rest of uh, North America and watch watch the the Bills and the Bengals get after it. Uh, hey, just before we go, if the Bills and Chiefs win, they're playing in Atlanta. Um, have you thought? Uh, what do you think that 
environment looks like to the best fan bases that will travel. Um, I mean, I don't think it affects the game very much, but I'm just wondering from a fan perspective, I mean, uh, will it be a lot of neutrals in the site or are we going to see a ton of blue and a ton of red making a long trip there and supporting their team for a trip to the big game? I think with those two fan bases, you're going to see a lot of those fan bases. I think a lot of people get there. And for people who aren't familiar with it, it's not a hard place to get to in terms of like airfare because it's a it's a hub. Atlanta's a huge airport. So the flights aren't going to be that crazy. I think I think people will get down there. Um I, you know, I'm debating whether to go down and cover it myself because I'll be at the senior bowl the next day. So if the if the game kicks off, I mean from Atlanta Too to convenient, Mobile. Matt, you gotta do it. I mean, from Atlanta to Mobile, it's a four-hour car ride. It's a 25-minute flight. So I, I might uh, I might have to change my my flight itinerary, uh, make it happen. I think I probably will. But, yeah, we'll see. I think it's going to be a pretty wild scene. I think the Bills and the Chiefs fans will we'll get down there, and, and it'll be it'll be nuts if that comes to fruition. Matt Verderam's with us, folks. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, at Matt Verderam. By the way, just congrats. The content you and the gang were cranking out all year long was um, phenomenal. Love the podcast with my pal Benny Heiss as well. Um, just fill people in. I know you guys are busy and getting ready um, to cook going into, for my money, the best weekend of football in the year Good with enough. the final eight. Yeah, thank you uh, very much. Yeah, Check out my my podcast, Act in the Box. goes up every Tuesday at noon uh, on YouTube. You can also just subscribe to it wherever you want if you want to listen to it uh, audio-wise. And then Act in the Box column. Goes up every Monday morning. And of course, you can follow me on, on Twitter at my name. Uh, I am on there way more than I'd like to be. So you can always find me. Matt, really appreciate the time. Enjoy the game this week and the travel safe, hopefully down to Atlanta and uh, obviously Senior Bowl as well. Thanks a lot. Take care, Andrew. Appreciate it. There it is. Matt Berteram, national NFL reporter at Fansided. And uh, that podcast again, Stacking the Box. Get it wherever you get Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Remo, huge show today. We knew that would be the case. Few Habs fans, I think, popping in here. A few people interested in Dubois conversations. Obviously, great NFL content with Matt. Uh, but, man, it's been fun seeing the excitement about this team. And, uh, man, there's been some great back and forth in the chat as well on a bunch of Jets-related topics. Been a lot of fun. Uh, great. We had Mike's birthday as well. And hearing about everything that he lost on his trip. Um, good time. Although there was one person who said libel just brought everyone down, has, uh, not believing in the Jets. You did your best to convince him, and oh, I have to say, it. I kind of get where libel's coming from. It's really, it's just so hard watching the Jets this year, knowing what happened last year, wrapping your head around that it's basically the same roster, and it's in first place. And then I think you start to think, well, what happened the last two years? Were they just totally wasted? But you try not to think about that and just enjoy enjoy the moment yes. here. How about the answer being yes <laughs> in a lot of ways? I mean, I think that post the 2019 season, those last couple of years, when we look back at, you know, this era of Jets 2.0, that's exactly what people will think. And, um, you know, the change that needed to be happened, I've said this a million times on this program. I mean, I think after the 2019 season was the time and again, it's very easy to be a revisionist history and uh, to look back and be a Monday morning quarterback. Um, but that was the time to make some of those changes. And and listen, the patience and belief in the players that are in that locker room by the organization and Shevel Dayoff deserves to be commended because many of, of you, many of us, myself included, 
thought that, you know, considering what happened last year, there needed to be way more surgery to the roster, more than just a new head coach. But as I said, Remo, on this show a couple of times, well, if this is it, and we're going to see this Winnipeg Jets team be a playoff team, Rick Bonus will be a miracle worker. He's been more than that uh, more? so far this season. Well, I mean, <laughs> the question was if they could be a playoff team, that would be the case. This team is first place in the Western Conference right now going into this game. So Crazy. another reason why Bones should be at the top of the Jack Adams ballot right now. And shout out to Frank Saravalli for taking that stand did on he? Friday's DFO. Yes, he did. I I, sh I meant to send that to you. I only saw it today. I didn't see it on the I weekend. I never saw it. But Frank went at it, and Matt Larkin of the Hockey News was saying it's Jim Montgomery. He said, ah, oh, the Jets are just have Connor Hellebuck playing well. Look at their defensive metrics. Uh, <laughs> Is that your impression point, of Matt, Matt well, Larkin? <laughs> listen, when, everyone, when everyone wants to drop that. No, I love I like Matt. Matt. <laughs> He's been great. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, but anyways, that was my reaction to this. Um you know, and I think back, you know, when we want to talk about defensive metrics, and I'll be honest, I haven't dug into them very much, but I think back to the Colorado game earlier this season when the defensive metrics didn't look very good. They had 40-odd shots on net, and it reminded me of last year when the Jets were playing against, like, Arizona and Buffalo putting up 40 shots and getting nothing into the blue paint, no real legitimately good scoring chances, and losing comfortably and that's exactly what happened i think that was a pretty good example of what's happened so far this year anyways we got a game to talk about tonight but um listen if we can for people i mean we talked about pierre luc dubois and heard the dubois clips earlier um i know you've got a couple more of those bones clips so yeah why don't we do that before we finish up and uh, get to the lines for tonight's game over with our friends at cool Bet. sure i do want to say that i do enjoy frank beating the drum for winnipeg they were his cup pick last year yes and that Frank is our guy. Up. When it comes to national guys, he has been paying attention more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And uh, I uh, I have to give him huge credit. I will retweet that after the show today, folks. So pay attention over to uh, my Twitter account at Hustlerama for those of you. that. Um, and then slide into Frank's DMs or just give him some love so he knows that we're paying attention over here. We'll have to get Frank on yep. at some point soon to uh, to join me in the chorus for Bones for Jack Adams. Well, it's funny. I mean, you talk about the Bruins. Linus Allmark has had a great season as well. You could say they're just carried by their goalie, too. I think there's some... Oh, their defensive metrics are better. Some element there. What do you... Someone said, look up uh, points percentage last season and this season. And, I mean, the Jets roster is basically the same. The Bruins, what they added. Krejci and... But Hampus Lindholm for a full season, I think, has been a good add, uh, among others. Anyways, I'll, I'll get to... No one's here from me. I'll get to uh, Bones. So he's hounded by this Montreal media hustler. All they want to know is about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Pierre-Luc Dubois, they asked him about his game this year and how uh, they took him to the next, uh, the next level. Yeah, he, and he's gotten better from day one in training camp. Uh, he's become a much better two-way player, uh, and that's his strength. And is also, but being a better defensive player has helped him offensively. 
Uh, he's doing a much better job in Arizona. He's hard to play against either way. Uh, big, strong guy, but he's so he's so strong in Arizona. He breaks up a lot of plays, and they're able to generate a lot of offense because of what he does defensively. And even on the forecheck, you watch him. He's very good with his stick. He's a big man with a long stick. He breaks up a lot of plays, and then he's very good at hanging on the puck and making plays. So his defensive play has improved, and that's why his his uh, he's so strong offensively. All right, so there's Bones talking about the season so far. And um, this is an interesting one. I'm looking forward to hearing this. I haven't heard this yet. Um, Bones we talked about what he did in the offseason, connecting with all the players. But um, he was asked what his preseason impressions of this Jets hockey club was, uh, you know, as he was just beginning the job. Let's go back to a couple years ago, coming in with Dallas, I knew they were a very good hockey club. They were hard to play against them for whatever happened last year happened. So we did have to make some changes to the way we played. We had to make some changes to change the culture around a little bit. But we, I did feel that this was a, a better hockey club than it showed last year. And there was great potential there. Uh, when you have an elite goaltender like Connor, it certainly helps. And you build out from him. And uh, talking to the guys over the course of the summer, they all felt that they were a much better team than they showed last year. They're all upset at how the end of the year went last year, so they're all far more determined coming to training camp this year to turn it around. All right, so there's what. And, you know, Remo, let's just, for folks that maybe popped in again, I wouldn't mind hearing this again, to be perfectly honest. Get that final one, number six. Uh, and, you know, with Pierre-Luc Dubois, the homecoming game today, everything that surrounded that um obviously there was going to be a question to rick bonus about pierre luc dubois contract status and uh, this is what he had to say to that what do you think about pierre luc dubois i'm wondering you know obviously his contract status is a big thing in winnipeg i'm wondering if you feel like it's your part of your job to convince him that winnipeg is a good place to stay and not just him but players in general i told him that when i got the job i'm going to do everything i can to keep you to help you uh, stay in winnipeg so that's what I said that to him probably in July or August when I called him. Well, in the, in the July and August, how much did you make of that that summer about yeah, the that, comments and the yeah, but that's that, okay. So now with time, we'll tell him that that's totally out of our, my control right now. He's going to do what he wants to do. What's best for him in his career. All I can do is tell him, I'd love to see you be a Winnipeg Jet for a long time, and I'll do everything I can to keep you in a Winnipeg Jet uniform. All right, what an what an awesome quote from Rick Bonus. That bones, put the bones up in the chat, everybody, for uh, for the guy, and hit that thumbs up as well if you haven't already. So uh, we got the Habs and Jets tonight. Habs with a depleted lineup, um, making a push to join the likes of the Blackhawks and Arizona Coyotes. Looks like it'll be Sam Moultonball uh, getting uh, the uh, the start tonight. Uh, we will get a chance to see old pal Johnny Kovacevic, though. Reem, I know he spoke earlier today. And um, Listen, I know there was a lot of consternation when he left. Um, listen, there's waiver rules. Uh, we see how packed the Jet Blue Line is right now, and it's tough to get Vili Hainala into the lineup. Dylan Sandberg's going to be coming out. Logan Stanley will be coming back. Um, it was a very difficult situation, but I will say there's a lot of people cheering for Johnny on most nights, even if it might not be tonight playing against uh, the club representing where we're from. Yeah, they didn't lose him on waivers. It was a waiver trade, Hus. They traded him for uh, Axel J. Axel? at the start of the season. <laughs> so, look, the Jets' record on waivers, I like two the way and two, you put it. Yeah, two, a waiver two deal. And two. Um, look, we said they needed to trade a D for a forward. Uh, they just, you know, used waivers to facilitate facilitate that trading Kovacevic indirectly for for Axel. And 
Who was it? Icymon indirectly for Coolin. Actually, shout out to Mikey Icymon. Uh, Sir Michael Icymon making an impact yesterday for the Sharks. Getting on the score sheet. So he's... I was watching the broadcast. Uh, not this one, but a, a previous game. And uh, they really like what he brings for the same reason we talked about him early on when he started playing uh, for the Jets. Yeah, he assisted uh, on Timo Myers. Well, and then again, another assist on Nick Benino's. Well, that's two for Icymon yesterday. Yeah, he, uh, there are a lot of people talking about Mikey Icymon. And uh, hey, you know what? That's what happens when you have a deep team sometimes. You lose a player. The Jets have lost a couple on waivers. They've gained a couple on waivers in both Axel and, of course, Carson Kuhlman. Great to see all those bones in the, uh, in the chat. And I was thinking as I did this, People of a certain vintage will remember. Yeah. Can anyone remember what jobber wrestler used to do that when he was in, when oh. he was introduced? This is early WWE days. Oh, I thought it was like the X Pac DX. Like they did it, started doing like this because you couldn't crotch chop anymore because uh, kids like, were doing it. it. It is. Well, I you know what that that probably is. You know, it started off being the <laughs> DX crotch chop, but this actually predates DX. Oh. I'm looking into the chat, but yes, he was more of a jobber. Um, he was often on Maple Leaf Wrestling on Saturday afternoons, and he would get introduced. He would go down onto his knees and do this. Who? Do I and know this? Is a, Speaking uh, of uh, Raw, it is well, Raw this is 30 probably a, li up, a little old. He's probably a little, little before your time. Let's see. We've got Mr. X. No, that was not it. Tom Stone. Brass balls, Blake. There we go. Johnny K9. <laughs> what? Who can ever forget Johnny K9? And you know what's crazy about Johnny K9? Is there, in fact, is a dark side of the ring, I believe, about Johnny K9. And he was a guy. I, I hope I'm not mistaking him for someone else that was... He would do these wrestling gigs and he was muscle in the mob at the same time in Southern Ontario. It was a fascinating dark side of the ring. Anyways, I don't know how he got down. Well, I do know how he talking about bones and this symbol for Rick bonus. It is the, jo the Johnny canine <laughs> intro. But if you're interested in wild, wild behind the scenes, wrestling stories, look up Johnny canine. And you can thank me later. Um, we got a busy night in the National Hockey League to uh, talk about in the Cool Bet Lines tonight, Reem. Yeah, a lot of games tonight. I kind of took last night off because uh, of the football game. I glued to it, even if it wasn't close. You know, you always there's always a threat of a comeback with Tom Brady, especially when they miss those extra points. And they oh. got when they got that first touchdown. Like, okay, you just need three touchdowns, three two pointers. It's did you watch the regular broadcast or did you watch the Mannings? I watched the regular broadcast. So I was watching the Mannings, and they had some good guests. They had Dion, and they had Dan Campbell, who was pretty funny. But the reaction of those two when Mayer missed the fourth extra point. Oh, I saw it on Twitter. An absolute all-timer. And Manning, despite being on TV, got up out of his chair, and then they switched to camera angle, and he was standing up yelling at the TV like so many of us do when something terrible happens to a team that – and we want to win. I don't think they had any skin at the game, but um, that was nuts. And I texted the guys in the group chat. I go, guys, I personally guarantee you that this game will not go over and the difference in the game will be those missed extra points. And you know what happened? 
the extra points were the difference. So under betters, send a thank you card to Brett Mayer. Not sure whether he'll be the guy next week. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines. We'll start off with the pucks. And the Jets and Habs start things off tonight. 6 p.m. start here in Winnipeg. Jets minus 261. Habs plus 215. And once again, I know there was a chat. I think uh, Mike Schreer and Jets Popper uh, in my mentions yesterday talking about how Kubat has continually underestimated the Jets. That's the only people that I want underestimating the Jets because if you're ever betting on them, you're getting a much better number. Now, when I was doing the lock shop today, was mentioning the Jets on the puck line at minus one and a half, considering how depleted the Habs are, was pretty nice. Within five minutes, that one went down, but it still is even money or plus 101 if you like the Jets to win by two tonight. And the over-under on the game is six. And, you know, with the old hometown narrative, Remo, had to take a look at yes. what a Pierre-Luc Dubois goal was going to be paying. And uh, at plus 195, I think mm. that's some pretty nice value. Insta-bet. So uh, there will be a PLD goal prop tonight from yours truly tonight. Hopefully he can catch it. And you can check out everything else for the game tonight by clicking on it. And Here. as Remus has shown, you can expand it all. Oh, that's a hat trick. Want to go for the one? hat trick? I, I don't know. He's not really a hat trick guy. That's more of a Kyle Connor move, the hat trick. And he's not uh, even it, listed on this thing. I guess maybe he used up all his hat tricks. Oh, there he is. Sorry, plus 20. Yeah, there he is. He's right at the top. He's plus at the 26. top. 50. Um, all right, so moving on. The other games on the slate tonight, Ducks and Flyers. Whew, how the, the, the Flyers are minus 210 home favorites. That tells you all you need to know about the play of the Ducks right now. Flyers uh, this Panthers-Leafs game would actually watch this if the Jets weren't playing at the same time. Actually, going to be giving out that pick, I think, in a Coolbet daily pick on the Coolbet socials. Give them a follow at Coolbet Canada. Uh, over six and a half. Panthers winning last night in Buffalo. Austin Matthews back. I think we can see quite a few goals tonight. Leafs minus 181 favorites in that one. We got the Wild in Washington to take on the Caps. Wild favorite on the road at minus 126. Preds, after beating the Flames last night, hanging on really in the third period. Winning 2-1, UC Soros, another brilliant game. Minus 207 for Nashville, plus 174 for Patrick Liney, who did score a hat-trick on the weekend. Nice to see that happen. Sabres and Blackhawks. Sabres will look to bounce back after last night. Minus 191, and I don't mind the puck line on, on Buffalo either, at minus 1.5 at plus 129. Wings and Coyotes. The Wings a road favorite at minus 129. And the final game... The Seattle Kraken and the Edmonton Oilers. Oilers minus 177. Kraken plus 150 after their loss yesterday, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And if you are looking for a little more of an exotic wager, my partner in the lock shop, Dustin Nielsen, has had some great luck as of late taking over one and a half power play goals in Oilers games. He's on it again tonight. So uh, there's a little pick from the lock shop. We did do a new episode today talking... NFL lines and NHL picks for tonight. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, head on over to Lock Shop Bets. Make sure to give us a sub over there and get in our giveaway for $1,000 cash when we get to 1,000 followers. Um, just a quick update. We talked about this a little bit with Matt when he was joining us breaking down the NFL lines. Chiefs, eight and a half point favorites right now in the early game on Saturday afternoon. Eagles, seven and a half point favorites. Saturday night against the New York Giants. 
I'm still surprised that this number actually went up from yesterday. I thought that we'd be getting closer to a field goal in this Bengals-Bills game, but it's five right now in favor of Buffalo. Um, as my, Listen, the Bengals do have some offensive line issues that I think will be impactful, but, man, I just think Joe Burrow is too good. Their defense, the Buffalo defense, did not look Super Bowl-ready on the weekend, and um, I'd be stunned if this game wasn't close on Sunday. But Bills, five-point favorites right now. And the Niners and Cowboys opened at four and a half yesterday. It is now down to three and a half with all the Cowboy fans running to back their team. San Francisco minus three and a half. And if you want to look at the futures right now, Chiefs are the Super Bowl favorite at three to one. Bills are next at plus 350. Niners plus 440. Eagles plus 525. And the Cincinnati Bengals at eight to one. Cowboys 12 to one. Giants 28 and Jacksonville 33. It's all they're waiting for you at Cool Bet. If you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit and get a 100% bonus up to $200. Anything else you want to hit tonight before sure. we uh, shut her down, Reem? Yeah, I'll just add um, we're giving away some moose tickets if you've hung around this long. Uh, WinnipegSportsTalk.com yes. slash contest and you can get in the draw. There, uh, home this weekend. Actually, home uh, tonight as well. They were in the road trip uh, before. And um, some notes about the games tonight, Huss. Evander Kane returning for Edmonton had that scary injury where he had his wrist cut by a skate, was bleeding yeah. a ton. I think he's back sooner than you thought. Um, they went put Kyler Yamamoto on some injury. They had to do some cap. They're screwed. They are screwed for the cap right now. I was just talking with Dusty, and I asked him about that on the lock jump. I'm like, okay, yeah. they put Yamamoto on IR retroactive to last week, but what needs to happen? He said that one of the options is waving three guys and playing with the 20-man roster. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, they may put Warren Fogel, Jesse Pugliarvi on waivers, which would be quite interesting to see what interest either of those players would have around the league. Uh, but Ken Holland has some issues uh, when it comes to the cap, and you know you got to get EK9 back in there uh, right now. And big guy in chat, Nathan Rourke signed with the Jags. He did indeed. Mm-hmm. Talked about that a little bit yesterday on the program. Uh, if you want to know more about that, check out yesterday's program when Dave Naylor joined yeah, us that was on the good. show. Um, and one thing about the Oilers has the Bully healthy scratch tonight. That just shows you what his situation is with Edmonton. And it's funny, you, know, you go to cap friendly, you look at their cap space, it shows projected cap space, zero. I've never seen that. Not even a hundred bucks. Not even a hundred dollars. Like the Leafs at least are good enough to get it like within like $90, but <laughs> the Oilers, I mean, all that talent up top and they just haven't been able to find, you know, bought players other than the top four guys I mean, Hyman's good Kane in the lineup. But when those guys were out, they were very screwed in the defense. Uh, they've been trying to fix for years. So I'm intrigued by the orders. One thing we didn't mention, we need to give a congratulations to us, the Seattle Kraken. Did you know what they did? Yeah. They the ran week? the table. Yeah. That's, they went on an eight game road trip. They won every game. Did you even think this was possible? Us. They played in three, Different time zones. There's one back to back. Three time zones. Jeez. Seven games. It's they won. They won every you can't game. Can't win a game in another time I, zone. I feel like, according to physics, this shouldn't have happened, but somehow uh, defied the laws of science and won eight, eight, eight stro- in a row. 
Was it eight and that's in a why row? I took that's why I took the lightning at minus one thirty one in Seattle yesterday to bust the streak because they were more due than anyone. Um you know, that in some ways maybe happened to the Jets last week against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, you know, one of those games where a lot of things go wrong and you don't win. Uh, but the Jets, to their credit, have um, won all the rest of them. And I believe can get to 9-1 and one in their last 10 with a victory tonight mm-hmm. against the Montreal Canadiens. And wouldn't that be a nice little extra narrative to talk about going into Toronto on Thursday to yes. take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, I'm so fired up for all the narratives coming out of Toronto. And if the Jets are ahead, seeing everyone in every Toronto person writing about how the Jets are beating them, I do get a kick out of it. So uh, I think this is going to be a, this is a fun week here, starting off with Montreal. PLD watch. But it went yeah. well. He handled the questions this morning about oh, his yeah. foundation. Abs- absolutely. And- Listen, I mean, I know, and we got to talk about it. Everyone is talking about it you know, when they play. But let's face it, this hasn't been something that we spent a ton of time talking about this year. We've spent a lot of time talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois, though, because he is in the middle of Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor, one of the most deadly lines in the National Hockey League. And now, with the way Shifley, Wheeler, and Perfetti are performing together after the two wingers got healthy, Jets are in a real good spot, a very different spot than where the host Montreal Canadiens are tonight in this game. But... uh should be interesting. Hopefully he can get these two points, have a great game, and uh, have carry that momentum into Toronto for a game that all Jets fans will want maybe a little more than normal. Royster asks in chat, if Habs still have it out for 55, I mean, I think he fought already after that. I think for the players, that's done. Jake Evans not even in the lineup. For the media, they didn't even bother with Mark Schaefer. They didn't talk to him. They were they're so focused on PLD. They yeah. forgot They've about him. They already forgot. They've I think the forgot. fans. There's no longer a warrant for Mark Shifley's arrest amongst yeah. half the Montreal media in the province of Quebec. I think the um, the fans may boo Shifley, but they're too busy trying to lose. Like, I don't know. Do they do they care still about what happened a couple of years ago? I well, mean, they, they might got... boo him. They might boo him for sure. Like um, how much booing? Like a lot or? Uh. Well, I guess it is his first game. We'll see. The hockey, the Habs fans are pretty savvy. I would imagine if the shoe was on the other foot and let's say Jake Evans had done that to Mark Shifley or a top player on Montreal had done that to one of the guys on the Winnipeg Jets, there would be some long memories uh, and maybe there would be the few Bronx cheers. Um, but all in all, I don't know what to expect right now from Montreal because as much as the fans want to go there and be entertained, I don't think they want to win these hockey games right now. So maybe they will save all their vitriol and emotion for 55 tonight. All I know is that 55 is running right now with Wheeler and Perfetti, and they're looking very good, and you hope they can continue their hot play from the last couple of games um, tonight. Been an awesome show. Uh, I knew it was going to be good. I knew Remo had us locked and loaded for a great one. When I knew that Matt Verderan was coming on, Mike McIntyre, Mo Khan, and then a special visit from Matt Libel. If any of you old 1290 fans popped on later on, make sure to get to the beginning of the episode and check out the sports rabbi. Um, tomorrow on the program, we will break this one down and get ready for the annual trip to Toronto to take on the Winnipeg Jets. Um, We're going to have Sean Reynolds jump on the program tomorrow. Really looking forward to that. Uh, Marat is also going to be on with us, and I know he's in Montreal today. 
And we'll reach out to some of our friends in TO over the next couple of days and see whether we might be able to get someone to uh, maybe hype up the rivalry or the game. I don't know whether there's a real rivalry right now. Although, Dude, I guess what do you, you mean? Remember, remember Spezza, Nee, well, I was just about in the head. To say, I know, but don't you have to play in the playoffs to be a rivalry? That's what the NHL oh, tells right. us. Oh, right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you can't create rivalries another way. You're no, right. Well, I was wrong we'll there. We'll see it. Um, six o'clock puck drop tonight, folks. Hey, everyone that hung out till the end, thanks. Amazing show. Amazing turnout today. Do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel and tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk and where they can find us. Simply here on YouTube at Sports Talk WPG. Get us some subscribe and join us daily. And of course, for those of you that enjoy audio podcasts as well, every show up shortly after we finish, just in time for your drive home in the car. Search Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks to all the sponsors that make the show happen every day and all of you who joined us for a packed edition of WST. Enjoy the game tonight, and we will catch you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, right here on YouTube on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.